I, I remember one show specifically, which I uh, watched a lot in the summer I spent in Wisconsin, of uh, this, guy, <laughs> this guy who just has an open fire grill in the park uh, and he throws on whatever piece of meat or produce of the day and just over the course of like two hours watches it burn to ashes. Uh, and that's the show. Welcome to Glasshouse Games and our review show Reflections. I'm Alex P, and I'm joined by Maggie and Sam. Hello. Hello. I mean, howdy. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong word. We're talking about Kentucky Route Zero today, uh, developed by Cardboard Computer. They're a small three-person dev team uh, who they've collaborated in the past, uh, a long time ago, I guess, on a couple of small experimental projects, which, by the way, are available for free on their website if you're interested. But KR0, Kentucky Route Zero, um, Kentucky, Kentucky Route, Kentucky Route, Route Zero, Zero uh, is their first, um, I guess what they might call their fully fledged game, first game that they're charging for, uh, at least. Um, so how the review show works, how Reflections works, we're gonna, we've all played the game, we're going to talk through it, um, talk about our experiences with it, and at the end of that we'll each give uh, an individual score, and we're going to throw all those individual scores into a magical algorithm, and that'll give us the official glass house rating. So this game uh, is a long time in the making. Um, there's a post on Cardboard Computer's website, which at the time it might have been, um, I don't know if he wants to be considered the lead developer, but Jake Elliott's personal website, it might have been, uh, from January 7th, 2011, um, <laughs> which I'm just going to read uh, verbatim. Uh, I'm excited to announce Kentucky Route Zero a magical realist adventure game about a secret highway in Kentucky and the mysterious folks who travel it. This game is currently in development and will be released around the fall of 2011. I'm developing it in partnership with Thomas uh, Kamensky, a longtime friend and collaborator who, provided, who is providing art direction for the game. Then there's a link to their Kickstarter campaign, which is closed but still archived to see. Uh, it's actually really neat seeing an early trailer for this game. Yeah, um, very different video style. Uh, but what was really interesting is that they were just trying to seek uh, $6,500. US dollar. Uh, they smashed that by uh, funding $8,500. Um, sorry? Is this in Kickstarter? Yeah, this was on Kickstarter. Um, and, uh, well, just from that paragraph that was posted January 2011, I feel like there's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> um, so first in January 2011, judging by the Kickstarter posted then, they'd already made some decent progress already, obviously, because they had a gameplay trailer. Um, and it's so it's fair to say the development started at least 2010, that was January. And uh, they didn't release, well, they didn't release any full anything in the fall of 2011 when they thought they were going to release the full game. Right. Uh, and they released, so they released the first act in 2013. Uh, and then every couple of years, they would release uh, an interlude or another act. And the full game, all five acts and five interludes, wasn't released until January of this year. Um, and uh, while sales figures, I guess, are actually come to hard to come by, 
uh, mm-hmm. at this point at least, Steam Spy, the kind of uh, Steam tracker mm-hmm. uh, app, estimated that there were nearly 500,000 owners on Steam alone, wow. for the, and that was before the final version yeah. of the game, uh, and obviously not including so sales since then or console uh, console sales. This is obviously a huge leap from the little post that Jake Elliott made on, <laughs> on their website at the beginning of 2011. Uh, I don't want to spend too much time just sort of focusing on this timeline because um, there's a lot about to discuss mm-hmm. about the game itself. But I do think that there's a fascinating journey here um, for kind of everyone involved, the developers and the people who are following it. I know you and I, Maggie, didn't play this game until this year. This year, yeah. But Sam, you have I played. Quite... I played it. <laughs> Wait, I played the first act when it came out. Like, no, this was back. Um, so for like a big stretch from like I guess like 2005 well 2006 or whatever through till 2013 I was on a 360 I grew up playing a mixture of PC games and whatever I could get my hands on but basically by then I that you know I was poor and I'd moved out you know so I 360 was mainly what I played on and then by 2013, I finally could get access to a computer again to play games. And the big thing for me was the big thing that made me interested in that was indie games. And that was off the back of stuff like Super Brothers, Sword and Sorcery and stuff. I think at that time, the 360, like, I think I was just really burnt out on big budget games. And, and the indie scene on console was okay but like there was a f- couple of indies whereas now like obviously there's just yeah. a constant like there's always something but like back then there was like a few things whereas in pc there was like so much and the thing about like kentucky route zero and games like that was they were like an early access or like released episodically so there was a th- so they weren't available anywhere else anyway but i think like yeah games like super brothers and kentucky route zero were, were like like, I cannot overstate how much they redefined how I engaged with games and what I thought about games and reworked how I, th- like, just completely reworked how I approach games. And, like, I heard a bit about them before I played them. You know, I read some stuff that got me to do, want to play them. But actually playing them, like, it's a whole different story. And, like, Kentucky Route Zero was, like... There was just nothing like it. You could coming from 360, where at the time, what was I playing? I mean, but that time, I mean, yet, yeah, I mean, I would have been playing like Halo or like yeah. some of the later Halos or like some Gears of War. Do you know what I mean? It was just it was a lot of big budget. Like maybe there was a Skyrim and stuff. But it was a lot of big budget mush, and then kentucky route zero just the look of it like i i played it pretty much just on the strength of the look of it because i was just like you know i was i was i'd wrapped up my art degree and stuff so visual like design was a big thing for me and kentucky route zero looked amazing Back and in so i remember that there was uh in the game you can actually switch between the original art style i think like in the i've options, never done that in the options there's well i think it was only released so they only added this option in the final release of the game yeah i didn't even know you that. can go into the options and like uh switch between modern or classic uh and the modern version is basically just sort of a flattened vectorized version yeah. of it and like with clear to read text versus the classic version of it um is a bit more like 16-bit kind of uh what i don't really i didn't play the 
I didn't play it through, so I don't know if actually when that changeover happened. When I started playing into it, it had the art style that it has now. Okay. Like, that's what convinced me. Like the that the the art style they had before, I think, was existing before. Mm. That was like what they launched the Kickstarter with. Mm. By the time they got to like the Act One, they they'd finalized that. I think that's why there was a lot of delays because I think they hit a lot of like fuck like we need to rework this this isn't quite what we want and i think the the time frame of a lot of the game feels like like that and i think so that was that was the thing when i played it the visual style was what got me to play it. the thing that like just blew me away was not not just the quality of the writing because i think i've played plenty of games with good writing although maybe not very few as well written as this but i think the thing that blew me away was the approach to dialogue choices and stuff mm. I think someone at the time described Kentucky Route Zero to me as you don't play a character, you're like almost like the th a theater director. You're mm -hmm. giving mm -hmm. stage directions. And what's interesting about the dialogue choices in this, it's not about picking what you want to happen in the story, it's about characterization, it's about choosing how you want yeah. to characterize those those characters. And that was like a big eye opener into, and it, and it and it really resonated. Like the the very first choice that you probably get is the what to name the dog, and I feel and that was like it sounds so simple now maybe, but at the time that was like kind of mind blowing because it kind of opened me. I was like, shit, this is what I get out of games. This is what I care about because the entire time I've been playing it since twenty thirteen, I've never. I mean, I've invested in the story, but I haven't cared about it in the way that I'm like, oh, I wonder what will happen with my choices. I'm aware it does branch in a lot of ways, particularly towards the end, which we'll get into. But I was never like, oh, I wonder what will happen. It was more like, it was like so much deeper than that. I had a really personal, like right from that first act, had a really personal relationship with this game. This was a game that like tapped into, I've always talked about how I, I always play it late at night, headphones mm -hmm. on and just alone and just sit and just there's there is at times something eerie about the world of kentucky Route zero but there's also something really chill about it and it's a really very it reminds it's like the embodiment of going for a late night drive that's what the whole game is to me and sure. I, I think that's knowing to the developers you touched on a lot of things i think that well that we'll get into basically um just to take a step back as far as that um that early description uh well what what does magical realism mean to you maggie uh it's it's actually a genre a literature genre isn't sure it? yeah i mean i don't really know very much why i associate the name like this, gabriel garcia marquez yeah he would tense, be the preeminent um, marquez as well interesting enough this was i mean i'm sure i've seen stuff that was magic realist before this but this was the first thing that i made me conscious of oh magic realism and made me yeah. go and explore so this was this is basically my introduction to that genre was Kentucky Route Zero? Uh, it's a very um, well. It's prominently, I guess. Well, just I guess to define it in a way, you would you could say that it's a kind of dull or mundane setting with then elements of fantasy or supernatural. Right. But then they're not like they're not fantastical or supernatural within that um, no, not within like, that world. They're yeah. just they're commonplace. They're, they're just normal, yeah. and they're usually very sparingly used, um, almost as a um, like a reality check to the to the consumer of the media, yeah. Uh, and as you mentioned, yeah, Gabriel Garcia Marquez um, is probably the most prominent in literary. Uh, in film, it's quite um, common as well. Still in Central and South America, are yeah. usually the biggest proponents of it. You I'm probably sure Pan's Labyrinth is that? Uh, yeah. So yeah. Gil, uh, Del Toro is probably the most famous uh, of which. But I mean, Alejandro Jodorowsky and uh, Carlos Regadas are other filmmakers that 
really represent this style uh, throughout their work. Um, and I, um, I guess I bring it up because it's something that's so rarely, at least as far as I've seen, transplanted to a place like the Bible Belt of the United States. Um, and I think these kind of influences is an important thing to kind of unpack with this game um, about what it means to um, like the greater gaming development. I think, I think, development I think at, the at thing that, that was really startling about that when you when it came out was, like I say, from what I was playing at the time, there was nothing like, like, no, there was, I mean, like, I, I, I just like, I need to convey like how big a deal this was. It went, you went from playing games that were just big blockbuster action things mm -hmm. and then suddenly i was what was consuming my time was like like kentucky Route zero is a weird road trip that's magical realism but very surreal basically and like it's all about characterization and it's a story about you know like a post-industrial you know you know community area like all the you know the slow death of this community and people living in that and stuff. And in, and the thing that was interesting to me about that in a lot of ways was just that even though it's set in Kentucky, that felt very true to my experiences growing up where I did in Scotland. Like, there was a lot of weird parallels. Um, and that was something that, like, stuck to me. But to play a game at the time that was, like, getting me to think about that stuff, like on a like, really emotional level about where I grew up and how I felt about that and how I felt about my place in the world and stuff. Like, yeah, like that was such a big leap from the stuff that I'd grown up playing for the most part. And because it engaged with a lot of that stuff directly, it wasn't like even the most, like, I think even the most big games that got closest to that I would enjoy when I was younger in terms of touching on real world themes, explicitly with like Oddworld or stuff, were still very fantastical in nature. Kentucky was zero, even though there's the magic release element. It just it just talks about the stuff. It is set in Kentucky, and it does directly engage with like you know the miners and stuff. Like there's very specific things that it touches on, and it's all like I don't know. Like I'd never played anything that has done that, and I think it was. And I think it wasn't just a big deal for me. It's clearly a big deal for games because I think there's a lot of stuff that's come on since that does do that and has directly like Night in the Woods is an example of a game that directly references. Um, Kentucky Route Zero is an influence, and I think, like, like this game's like not probably been played by a lot of people, but I think has because I think as well because it's had such a drawn out development, it keeps coming along, and it's only now that I feel like now that it's wrapped up that I'm starting to see its influence started to really be felt, and it's kind of I think it has had a really profound influence on. I don't know about AAA games, but definitely like indie games. I think this was like a huge deal of what you can do and not just in terms of how you do it, but in terms of what subject matter you can talk about. You can like, you can make games about, you know, Kentucky and what that's like, you know, in terms of, yeah, it's, in, you know, deficit industries, like fucking like working class, like struggles and stuff. You make games about that stuff. And about communities that aren't, because I think I was, um, I was reading a thing very recently, actually, because um, some people were criticizing the praise of Kentucky Route Zero as uh, emblematic of, like, Western-focused media, like, oh, you know, they were, basically there were some people saying that they would have liked Kentucky Route Zero, a game like it, but about a more interesting part of the world and stuff. 
But I saw a lot of people quick to comment that actually this particular part of America is a part of America that isn't really talked about very often. Um, I did actually want to ask Alex about that. Is, is there American on the show? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there's the, especially Kentucky is probably in a, in a part geographically, I don't want to call it special place, but it overlaps a lot of um, cultural belts, I guess. So, I mean, I mentioned the Bible belt um and then there's uh like the rust belt which runs through that the rust belt would be like a place where there's a lot of industry and factories and stuff that then those industries left those places uh and now there's a lot of well rust so rusting factories i guess you would um take that from that uh other kind of cultural movements one that i kind of wanted to bring up um specifically for this game because i saw it as a a really big influence um I mean, there's one that I kind of extrapolated myself just because of how much experience or exposure I have to it. Um, but what kind of made it really work really well, and I have no idea if the, I feel like the developers had to have had um, a lot of experience with it themselves, but the American public access television scene, <laughs> if you can call it mm. that. Um, so I don't really, I don't think that you really have it over here in the UK in the same way, but basically, um, as the, and I'm paraphrasing to the best of my knowledge here, so feel free to, uh, call me out in the website or something like that. But basically the FCC was getting quite big, uh, in the late sixties, early seventies, the FCC controls like the airways of television and radio in the U S. Um, and as a compromise, they, uh, uh, basically initiated these channels that were available to anyone within a municipality. So basically it wasn't necessarily defined, uh, sort of like radio stations aren't necessarily defined on their reach, but it could be a county, it could be a city, it could be a state. Um, uh, where basically those municip- it would basically be public funded within a municipality uh, television. Um, so anybody who is within that uh, area, sometimes it would require a membership fee, like completely negligible, like $50 a year or something like that. But anybody who was part of that membership uh, could come in, drop off tapes, or start whatever show they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would be broadcast on television on that channel that was, or even series of channels, depending on the the, the so, scope think, of the um, project. Um, and it really was like the Wild West of yeah. television. It was, um, uh, I mean, I think it was amazing <laughs> from yeah. like my own sort of... Uh, uh, consumption of it I kind of my spent a lot of my formative years watching this really weird stuff <laughs> uh, I mean it would range anything from like beat poetry readings um, community interview shows to more experimental stuff of just like people recording their acid trip in the woods uh, to like I remember one show specifically which I uh, watched a lot in this summer I spent in Wisconsin of uh this guy, this guy who just has an open fire grill in the park uh, and he throws on whatever piece of meat or produce of the day and just over the course of like two hours watches it burn to ashes. Uh, and that's the show. There's no like, there's no panning. There's no shots. It's okay. just like you're watching this carbon entropy <laughs> of uh, of a previously living thing i guess but i think um it's interesting because there's there's a lot of like 
there's a lot of those little subplots throughout Kentucky Route Zero of here's this weird thing that existed you've probably not heard about. And like the TV, there's also the thing about the, um, what do they call it? Like the phone exchange, the, um, what do you call it? Oh, God. I can't remember the word for it. Like when you phone up and there's the uh, the person that's got to redirect your line. Operator. Uh. Yeah, all that kind of stuff. And it's all these jobs that are basically have become obsolete. But I think what Kentucky Route Zero starts to tap into, as I think this is a recurring theme in all of its stories, is basically a question of what has replaced these things. Because I think the thing about the TV and stuff is it gets in as all these local stories and stuff. And I think what it taps into specifically and what the game itself is, is an expression of like, here's a whole generation of people that didn't know how to convey how they felt about things. And they found all these weird outlets. Like that show you just described. Mm-hmm. That's such a like weirdly specific thing. Do you know what I mean? Like, that is someone's like really intense feeling about someone, and they just filmed it, and yeah. they just kept every week. It. I mean, every this, week. these kind of shows were on. Like somebody, you have to sign up. You I don't, again, this the rules or whatever differentiated throughout the the whole U.S. But like, you would be signing up for a slot. Like that was your slot to yeah. come on, and you would pr- be producing content or replaying episodes or whatever during that slot. And it was just anything goes in a way. I mean, I'm sure that you know people would be removed if they put up completely inappropriate content and stuff. But you would see really <laughs> experimental stuff. Um, I mean, you see parodies of it now, uh, of like that era of American television um, in stuff like, I mean, these are all American references, but you might know like uh, Between Two Ferns with Zach Galifianakis yeah, yeah. or uh, Tim and Eric um, or the Andre- Eric Andre show. Um, they're just like these goofy comedy things, but they're, they're very directly referencing, referencing or paying homage. I mean, to. a few <laughs> a few decades ago, like the Ben Show would have gone out one of these channels, yeah, basically. For sure. Yeah, and but I think I think the, the the thing that I like about Kentucky Zero is it's not it finds humor. There's a lot of humor in the game, but I think it's is like it's not making fun of these things. There's a real like like this game has a like really profound sadness mm. about mm. the loss of these communities and these platforms. Essences of yeah, uh, like. I mean, you kind of kind of call it weird American, um, weird American culture, I guess, in like the most endearing way. I mean, kind of how like uh, might be familiar with Austin calls themselves like weird Austin kind of thing, where mm-hmm. because there's this collection of I don't want to call it counterculture, um, but it's a because um, uh, it's not like punks and stuff. It's more of just these people who fit between between the lines of of society, uh, but still have some or require or need some kind of outlet that doesn't really fit in the normal um quote unquote normal means of expression i guess and there's the american public access tv system really i think filled that niche and that there was kind of a public access belt like the rust belt and bible belt that was sort of like from kentucky up to minnesota these very like um what the coasts would call like the flyover states um not inclusive of the plains but uh this midwest where you had not a lot to do but a lot around you from a um i don't know maybe from a nature perspective or maybe just you were close enough to cities where you could maybe get drugs but not close enough where you could go and do the stuff uh like fill your time i guess yeah 
But I think I think they I think what's interesting though is off the back of that because the game's about that stuff, but the game itself feels like an example of this in terms of particularly when it came out, like indie games were just starting to come into this big wave, and Kentucky Route Zero felt like a sort of affirmation of hey maybe maybe independent games are the space where we can have these weird expressions and talk about stuff that we can distribute freely and get out to people and. And it's not, and the thing is, like, Kentucky Zero is not some, like, wacky experiment. It is clearly very well, like, clearly carefully constructed. Like, the fact that the time is taken between each acts. I don't, I don't know enough about the development to say, but it feels like a lot of the development time was, is spent, like, on the writing. Like, it's not a thing of, like... Uh, well, it had to be, right? Because there's... Yeah, that's pretty much how there is. <laughs> there's so much text in each act. But, yeah. it, but it feels like it's so, it's so interesting to see a game that really is taking its time, not because of, like you know like 10 or engine issues it's more like hey we need to figure out what the story is like the time is a creative it's a creative issue do you know what i mean it's not a technical mm. issue and i think that's a really interesting thing to exist in games because yeah like most games it's the complete opposite so like Kentucky zero feels like the embodiment of like latching onto this and going hey maybe games is like the space that we can use and express and talk yeah. about these things i mean so i guess yeah to answer your question maggie i i grew up uh 20 30 minute drive from where this place um where this game takes place i mean i know wow. the kentucky route zero alex has actually a, traveled I mean, the kentucky uh, route zero it's i mean it's based around i-65 um there is a 65 uh, then yeah well there's a 65 and then that kind of connects into another highway that goes up to where uh i grew up um but yeah i mean i have a i have a lot of the kind of weird and wonderful people that you meet in this game it it rings very true like they're not um they're not just kind of I, there's some absurdism in, in this game and stuff like that that fits into some other influences i i feel but uh, a lot of it does still ring very true as not just caricatures but like of of real people and part of that is kind of that i don't know weirdo american culture belt <laughs> um but it is i think that this is kind of the perfect setting for this kind of game because it's kentucky is a very true juxtaposition of all of these things, of all of these different kinds of uh, cultural belts that it's a this mishmash of all these different things. Um, and Kentucky itself is a kind of a weird state in the US. Um, I mean, to add on to the perfect setting of it, obviously there's it's home to the largest known cave system in the world, Mammoth Caves. Uh, it pretty much covers almost the entirety okay, of the that's state. that's new for me. Underneath, um, and I'm sure as of why, like there's the whole yeah. uh, element of the cave system in right, like as the, the highway in the in the game. Um, and I mean, I've been in Mammoth Caves. It's it, 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 like not the entirety of it because it's it, it's in, it's massive. Okay. Um, but then there's other weird bits of tidbits of information, like uh, Kentucky is one of the only states that. Uh, it's the only state that hasn't seen a drastic reduction in smoking in its populace since uh, over the last 50 years. Like every other state has had a massive, hmm. uh, like the population has been like, yeah, smoking is, uh, we're done with that. But Kentucky is like, fuck that, man. <laughs> like, okay. uh, and like we're, you know, all, one of the only states where you can still smoke in restaurants and everything. Uh, and it's just these kind of like hold-ons because they're still kind of, I don't want to say stuck in a time and place, but it they, sounds like it. <laughs> but they hold on, not to say an overarching population of, of Kentucky, but there's there's holdouts there, I guess, of of 
a time and place, uh, which I feel like is very represented in this game. Well, I mean, I've never, obviously, I've never been to Kentucky. Mm. I mean, obviously, like, everyone knows that I've not traveled. <laughs> but um, but I, I, I find it resonated, like, a lot with, like, growing up in Scotland. Like, that, the whole post-industrial, like, all these communities that were built around all these industries and stuff that are now just fucking gone. And these communities are just like, well, what do we fucking do now? And, like, those stretches of, so one of the, one of the weird things about Scotland is it's got great transport links. It is really easy to get around Scotland um, in a way that shockingly England is not, which surprises me. But the difference is England has all these big hubs and big cities where Scotland, a lot of, like most of Scotland is really rural. Mm-hmm. And so weirdly, like even though it's Kentucky, like a lot of it just like resonates with me and made sense to me. Like there's specifics, obviously, like in terms of the cave system and like all these very specific pieces of like American and Kentucky, like, you know, in terms of culture that are different but they, like the broad strokes feel so felt so right to me and it is part of why like, this game really like that sense of like growing up and like yeah just this like this, these communities like like growing up around mining communities and stuff and just like the heart that is there and and the variance of people that are angry about that to people that are just feel lost and then you got a younger generation that really just feels so disconnected and confused and stuff and i feel like the, the eclectic cast that Kentucky Route Zero just touches on, like, is basically just all these different, like, perspectives on pretty much the same thing, which is just, like, f- like, hanging on, like, because, yeah, like, every, you never meet anyone who's, like, okay, everyone is struggling this game. You, the main the main character, Conway, is an antiques delivery driver, mm-hmm. um, which, even on, even saying that is, like, yeah, that's a really niche goddamn job. <laughs> and, um... And then you've got, but then you get Shannon, who's a TV repair. And then my favorite characters, June, Junebug and Johnny, who are just like fucking musicians making ends meet however they can. And like they, just everyone you meet is just, they fill some weird niche and some weird crack. Mm-hmm. And, and even the, yeah, because even with Junebug and Johnny, even the musicians you meet, it's not like they do regular music. Do you know what I mean? It's always like, oh, we experiment with this thing. And there's the woman towards the end of, um, in Act 4 that does the, um, what you call it, the weird... Thurman. Yeah. yeah. So there's like, everyone in this game fits into some weird place and stuff. But none of that is done. There's definitely humor in that. But none of it's done... It's never like offhand or lazy. There's... Every time, as soon as you scratch away the surface of any of these characters, there's like real melancholy and like heart and like all these people. I think Conway is probably the embodiment of all that. But like, but just everyone, like, it's just, it's such yeah. a sad game it, without being yeah. bleak necessarily, but it is just, there's just real sad in it. I think one of you said earlier, it's like a nighttime game. I remember deliberately wanting to play this after sunset because it yeah. felt like it had to be something with the closed curtains, lights off. Um, every every it, scene I mean, is a lot of night it as is, well, except for the ending, right? The yes, final act. Yes, that's why it was so strange that suddenly we're like, oh, it's, it's, it's daylight. I think we'll get to it, but I, I but, do want to talk yeah. about that final yeah. act because, yeah. wow. mentioned uh earlier a bit about 
you know, the context of this game in the kind of big budget AAA games. Um, I mean, this game to me, after playing it really, not just in the context of other games, but uh, it really shows the importance of a wider breadth of references Mm -hmm. um, and inspiration that a developer takes when creating a game. So many games are taking their cues from other games yeah <laughs> from yeah, other so games and often or even often just strictly from hollywood films you know yeah. trying to recreate the bombast of a of a michael bay film or something like that uh james cameron or something um but really it's often just other successful AAA games well and it creates you see this developers just pitch their game based on oh it's this meets that it's, it's yeah this with guns it's that there's con there's that constant thing with games and it really feels like it really it realistically just creates this cyclical spiral of yes. cookie cutter games that you've played you've played this game a million times sure it's a different setting and there's a slightly different mechanic for how you kill the baddie yeah. but it, it feels a bit like snake and you're just eating your own tail. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's, it's very cannibalistic. It's like yeah. it's just yeah. It's, and you and and yeah, and that's definitely when it, this game came out. I was feeling it. I think the opportunities for stuff that breaks away from that is greater now. But even still, I think I, well, that's that's one thing I want to ask then. So you've all played Kentucky Reserve when this fight when it's all come out. Yeah. yeah. So you've played it relatively condensed. Mm-hmm. Mm. Like how just like in terms of like what games you've been playing recently and what you play now and then coming into this like how did that all feel like um i have a hard time i don't know about you maggie but i have a hard time imagining playing this game over the course of seven years uh i know that's how you did it i know i have i played this game longer than i've known any of my friends <laughs> like i can i kind of my life was so different when i started playing this after playing this game i mean you touched on like how you like to play it in the dark and stuff but like for me i feel like i can imagine the ideal way to play this game is uh yes in the dark with a whiskey uh v- very <laughs> loudly like volume turned up almost uncomfortably so uh and uh if possible i know it can be like 10 hours or something one sitting (laughs) so that you're just like uh so that you're like by the end of it sleep deprived and like somewhat hallucinating from (laughs) from sleep deprivation i did it in two sittings um i did the second one was i think act three onwards Mm. or or the interlude before all the way to the end and I have to say, there was one bit, I'm so glad that it wasn't as loud as you described, because I did actually yelp in my seat. Because, <laughs> you know, all these radio sounds and the static and all that. Mm. After a while, it gets really uncomfortable. Or I found that yeah, no, there's, there's a lot of the game that it? is definitely, like, yeah. eerie. I don't, yeah, yeah, I think it deliberately I'm definitely I'm sure there's is. some German word for, like, familiar but strange. Um, I, I haven't found it. I've been Googling. <laughs> German word, just <laughs> that wor- the word, words. The word is <laughs> When I find the word... Um, <laughs> But um, you're right about how it's um, pulled its influence from a lot of uh, places that are not video games. Um, I knew of Kentucky Roots there, but I never actually thought I'll play it. I just thought later, later, you know, and kind of forgot about it until I went to the VNA exhibition last year. Mm-hmm. Um, design play disrupt, and it was there. The section on to, for that was so good. Yeah, yeah, it was an excellent exhibition. Um, but I remember it was placed next to a painting by a Belgian painter, Rene Magritte. Hmm. And the painting is called Blank Signature. I can't remember the French name exactly, but that's what it translates to. And it's basically a, a woman riding a horse in trees. Do you remember the sequence where Ezra takes Conway to the doctor and he runs in the forest? Yeah. And you kind of run to and fro. And depending on where you run, you run into uh, Conway and Shannon at different stages of their journey to Doc's house. 
But do you remember how it seems sort of you could see through the trees or you see against the trees or, or something's there, but it's not there. And that painting sort of like that. You don't see the full horse or the full rider. Mm. Thank you, Kit, for pulling that up. <laughs> Here it is. But your mind fills in the gaps so that you think this is what you see. And I think the whole game is kind of like that. Mm. Where as the co-author, you fill in the bits where it says mm. choose your dialogue. Um, and I found that co-authorship a very powerful experience because you're... You know, in some cases you're watching a memory or you're watching an old recording, but you're controlling what's going on at that moment yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, you're you're just you're you're deciding what someone's backstory exactly. is it as like you're playing. Choose your own adventure, but in the past. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a lot of the game. The that's time. that's an interesting point because a lot of the game isn't really about dictating the future; it's about dictating the past and how what events happened and stuff. And yeah, there's like some really like there's a there's a choice in Act Four, I think, um, with Shannon talking about like and shannon like doesn't open up until about act four she's like you don't you, a lot of her is like bits and pieces of her backstory but it was interesting there's a bit later on and she starts to open up a bit with conway finally and it was yeah but then you're deciding what a lot of her back and it's interesting because that happens so long after you spent time with her it's pretty much you deciding how what you've thought about her all yeah, this time and stuff yeah. you pick the one that you think was best yeah I, for what you already think of shannon yeah, yeah. which is interesting because then there's characters like conway where i think you start you start to choose his backstory a lot sooner so it's interesting there's different characters that you have you have very different relationships and exploring how you inform their character and what you've taken away from them and stuff yeah. like i think conway's made probably i think not just because he's a star but just because you have so many choices with him he probably feels the character that's most your own i feel like yeah, uh, I guess because you play so much of him in the beginning, you're mostly Conway. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's kind of almost a, just tangentially you feel most connected to it because him. You've because you've. I feel. I feel like he's the he's the one that you. I felt like I had the most like authorship of. Whereas mm. everyone else, mm. yeah, I felt. I felt very. I felt like I was like responding to them a lot more. Mm. Whereas Conway, it felt like a lot more of. I was like deciding a lot more of Conway. So, um. There's two things I wanted to get thoughts on specifically about kind of everything we've talked about so far as far as uh, uh, influence and references and stuff. Uh, the first is whether or not like this is, uh, which I kind of want to get through the first thing before I ask the second one because the second one's pretty loaded. Okay. <laughs> but the, sec the first question is sort of uh, if it was effective for this game in the context uh, of not just mainstream but indie games as well. Um, I mean, it feels um, it feels very different, at least from anything that I've played, uh, for sure. I mean, it's not just a point-and-click adventure game. Um, there's uh, both because of the references that it's pulling in. I mean, I, I can immediately know how to play the game for sure, but it still feels of it feels removed almost from uh, from video games, and not in a for me, not in a bad way. A lot of the stuff that you're doing, especially the interludes are almost hard to call games <laughs> you know yeah yeah um and uh the it feels removed from the current game sphere in the same way that maybe an art house film or right. uh a contemporary experimental art installation um or even i guess you could in a way say the little the literary references that we mentioned earlier how all of those fit into uh into each picture. of their yeah. each into each of their mediums because those things are still very niche almost mm -hmm. uh and very like very important i think for pushing their own mediums forward but there there's a um i think a difficulty for people who are even within that 
involved in that medium to engage with those things yeah. because there's um uh i don't know maybe kind of barriers uh i don't know i didn't personally because of all of i mean i love all of the references and stuff that this thing comes from and i feel, do you think it holds itself back from reaching like a wider <laughs> audience i guess that's the question that's a question i, I mean i think it definitely does right like i think you can there's a there's a thing about art right which is specificity right and the broader you are the more people you reach but the less they get out of it whereas mm-hmm. the more specific you are you reach less people but the more they get out of your art and I feel that this is, yes, yeah, so specific. But I think, like I say, I think it touches on some big stuff that, that like, I mean, I grew up in Scotland yeah, yeah. and I and I got a lot out of this. I'm sure there's plenty of people that would play it and get bored and confused and mm-hmm. not know what's... I mean, there's definitely points in the game where I didn't know what was quite going on, but that was okay. Mm-hmm. Like, did I didn't you need to. experience any kind of barrier of entry to the game, Maggie? I felt like I didn't, but I felt like I knew a lot of people who would. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I mean, just thinking you of how I would, quite easily then? Yeah. Just thinking of how I would uh, describe this game, or how I even saw this game. I mean, playing this game for me uh, is combining the asceticism of Robert Bresson and the popular surrealism of David Lynch. Yeah. And describe yeah. if I was thinking of how if I'm going to use those words to describe <laughs> this game to somebody, ninety nine percent of the people, even friends that I have they would roll their eyes, yeah. <laughs> you know? But those things, those two references, uh, which I do think played clear, like, conscious uh, influence on the developers. Um, With a, but without, without the game ever feeling like... Like, I would never... It's weird, because even though I think it's definitely taken influence, I would never, for instance, describe it as Lynchian. So Brisson would never actually use professional actors. Uh, he would basically just use models, unprofessional... Um, uh, non-professional actors so that they would their lines would be expressed in the most straightforward way uh, he wanted it completely void of melodrama in an attempt to achieve this kind of anti-theater theater uh, that so that what you were watching was not performative it uh, it just was what it was and you could kind of take it or leave it and uh, the way that he would use sound uh, in a sound design um, he would use it very sparingly um, you could say he would say it was being used essentially, uh, which created a kind of harrowing feeling because you actually pay way more attention to audio and sounds when I mean, there's much less of it. Yeah, all of the sound becomes so much more Am I right important. In saying it was like all diegetic the sound in the films. Like it's all like I don't know what, what that word means. <laughs> it basically means it's basically a word for in universe. So okay. all, you only hear things that are depicted on screen. You yeah, never, there's no score or anything. Yeah, so I mean sometimes music would happen, but at very like uh, essential points, I mm-hmm. guess, for uh, a specific where if. The, if the story wasn't able to convey emotion, the music might be able to. Uh, but it was never used, like, there would never be just a yeah, score over something else that was happening. But yeah, very much like the, you know, you very you would zone in on a tick-tocking clock or an engine idling or footsteps. And those things would all carry much more weight when they're put in the front and center of your senses. And um, kind of how I said I feel like this game should be played loudly. Okay. A lot of that is because I feel like the sound design was very much in this ethos yeah. um, of uh, of calling your attention to very specific things and then using music, uh, which was also very sparing, um, yeah. uh, and I think is so fucking good. <laughs> the, yeah, the, mu- the music uh, is sparing, but, but very powerful. Using them in, in specific moments to uh, not hit home on a feeling, 
but to um, expand on it it's yeah to, it's to go further than you can it's not just it's not like, that's why yeah like in a lot of the, those elements the visuals it's not just reinforcing what you're saying like there's a there's a common thing in a lot of like film and in games where there's a sad scene so there's sad music and it's just like but why why you the music is not it's just it's just at best it is enhancing what's on screen but it's not adding to it, really yeah. and i think what's i think is really interesting in this is like yeah the music's used extremely sparingly i mean it does it sometimes it takes the the, the feel of like a moment in a totally different direction and stuff and it like it's almost like the music is in conversation with the scene itself and it's it's always adding it's never just oh well this is a sad scene so time to have the sad song now there feels like it feels always feels like there is a conscious effort to if we're going to add something it better be adding to the scene it's not just layering up it really is like and the same for the the sound design yeah like there'll be the like i just think of like scenes where it's like the the trucks idling in the background Mm -hmm. and stuff and it gets louder and louder little things like that and it's just so specific and so good like driving up tension or just yeah it's great um i mean there's that moment uh i mean this is more about the music but after landing in the forest after arriving by eagle uh and conway is just exhausted and needs a rest and then there's just that um uh that song that starts playing up i think there's that band right and you're just like sit on the log and listen for like three minutes and that's just like yeah I mean, I, I think that you can get up and walk around, mm-hmm. but I, I just almost, sat there. Almost, I think other than the one, the big performance in Act 3, I think almost every song in the game you can pretty much walk away from if you want. Mm. Like, yeah. which is always, which is interesting. Like, yeah. it's interesting. You could just ignore it, but it it feels much more natural to just I feel like sit and relax as Conway needed to relax. I, it's interesting though, because I'm sure you did the same, but when those moments happen and there is an option to walk away, did you ever? Because I don't think I ever did. No, I listened. No. Yeah. But it's interesting because if a game forced you to sit there, it's almost like your brain would switch off and you'd go, okay, I've got to listen to this bit. But because yeah. it gives you that option, it's suddenly you, you're deciding to sit there and listen. And that's a much different sort of experience. I think, I mean, I, th- I can feel like, I don't have any direct references now, but I feel like there are games where there has been choices and it's always just a matter of how engaged I am with that moment. If that moment feels kind of tacked on or lazy or just, or the song is shit or something (laughs) like that, then I'm like, yeah, I'm done with this moment. Uh, It didn't hit, didn't hit very good for me, but I think every of those moments in, in Kentucky route zero uh, were very well conceived and well considered. And I wanted to give it, the time that it was asking me of yeah. uh, to just take it in. Yeah, and I also say that what they made me think of was um, the film that both Oscar Isaac and Adam Driver have been in before Star Wars. <laughs> oh, I thought you were about to mention Inside Lone Davies. <laughs> is it? Okay. I am. Oh, yeah. That's the sure. one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, it's just the music. Something put me in mind of that. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's like folk, yeah. folk music. Folk, yeah. Um, yeah. And I think, I think actually we're, I mean, very different, but like that film definitely has a, a mood of like, yeah, mm-hmm. like that's a lot of people really in a bad place trying to like struggle yeah. to get by. There's but definitely more. But that's what more. Kentucky Zero also felt like a lot of people are in sort of drifting through their lives. Mm-hmm. Not like, it's not like a bad thing, but just sort of this sense of um, going about like, for example, the musky mammoth. Is, it, is that what it's called? Yeah, the, 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 yeah. Um, Will and, oh, I can't remember, Cass. Then just drifting about in a ferry, they give lifts, they collect garbage, they go around in circles along the Acre River. 
Um, and you never know what you run to along the river as well, what sort of past bits you dig up. I didn't realize about how Charlie's death was so connected. We never see Charlie because Charlie's dead by the time mm. we start playing. We only hear Charlie being spoken about. But it it really got me when, um I don't know if you got off the boat at the point where Mimi and Jen are looking through security footage mm-hmm. of Shannon taking a test. And all of a sudden Mimi says, oh, it's so weird, my boyfriend died years ago. His name was Charlie, he fell off a roof. And that's Ira and Lizette's son, Charlie, she's mm. talking about. But it sounds from the tapes that she's talking about something that happened long ago, like in her youth, so she sounds kind of old. Um, and I had a hard time with timelines, trying to figure out who, when, like Emily, Bob, and Ben, when were they in the gallery? When were they playing cards? How mm. is this connected? Um, and, and then thinking more about it towards the I didn't even consider timelines, to be honest. I like did, because I was trying to work it out. Sure. Are they ghosts? Are they? Is this all happening at the same time? Is Kentucky Road Zero a parallel universe? Because um, I also thought about Neverwhere by Neil Gaiman, where you have London and then the other London. Yeah. Mm. I think I think the I think a lot of it like I think what this game did for me and the, the time I played it was really helped me to appreciate being not literal like just yeah yeah just maybe it doesn't add I guess up. that's the magical realism right yeah like, like maybe the... maybe it does it, but the thing the, all that matters is it, does it drive the feeling does it drive the feelings that it's that it's aiming for and that's and I think yeah like that sense of I think the thing with the timelines and that sense of like blurring it is like I think there is a sense and I can certainly speak to it of like being quite young but feeling like you've lived like a really old yeah, yeah. like yeah. there's a you know like they talk about like old souls and stuff mm-hmm. like yeah. yeah you definitely meet and I think there's a lot of the characters in this it's like yeah they're pretty young maybe like because you don't you very few of them you don't get a definitive like read on their age necessarily yeah, even their faces are obviously just like yeah uh, very much kind of, kind of so. but like so, so even some characters are like well they must be young because of this reason but they seem really old like you know and i think like ezra being a perfect example of like yeah they're a kid and a lot of the time you're like a kid but then there's the little moments of like wait a minute and i think just that the blurring of all that is just yeah there's a lot these people have basically just led really hard lives and i think nothing makes you feel nothing ages you quicker than just experiences like that so the other um the other reference that I question. kind of mentioned, no, well, the, before yeah. right before oh, that, right. Uh, there's sort of the David Lynchian yeah. aspect of it, um, and I don't, I, I, because I looked up, um, I had my own thoughts, and then I sort of was reading a lot about a lot of people saying actually David Lynch came up a lot, um, and uh, but in a different way that I think I kind of read it. I mean, for me, it was very much in almost the kind of um, blended timeline surreal uh surreality <laughs> uh i guess that you were mentioning um and some of the absurdism which at first before i kind of was f- diving into these uh into the full tone of this i was kind of uh skeptical about it in a way early on in the game in maybe the first two acts uh just because there's there were some uh, elements of absurdism that i just wasn't sure about uh things like um I can't remember one, but there was that this scene. This is interesting because I'm like, for me, like remembering Act One is literally thinking back seven years. Like. Uh, sure, but like there was that scene with Conway. Uh, he sticks his arm shoulder deep into muddy bait water. Uh, well, you can tell him to do that. I don't know if yeah. there was a thing that you were had to do, but uh, it was just like once you did that, it was then like, how deep do you want to stick your arm into muddy bait water? Which at when I was playing that, I'm pretty sure this is Act One. I'm like, um this feels just too like nobody this why would this even be an option because nobody would ever do this like it's not a it's not a it's not like oh some kind of wacky thing that somebody does 
it's like it's off the table completely nobody would ever do this kind of thing like randomly at a bait shop or something so it's funny stuff like that that bought me into it remember this now the aquarium yeah Yeah, um or then um uh there was at the in act two when you're at the um the bureaucrat's office and then one of the the floors is just completely occupied by bears yes um for you know no apparent reason aside from just kind of being weird right like, i mean these, these it made of, me laugh sure yeah. did you um, go into it i had to go see the bears but i think case. because the to- overall tone of the game was one that was serious like mm-hmm. it didn't feel like a comedy game it, there was a little bit of a disconnect for me in the first two acts um of like these kind of weird elements and or absurd elements that felt like it wasn't matching up to the other tone right uh until, as I mentioned, I guess, as the game went on and this yeah. kind of um, Lynchian Twin Peaksiness uh, starts to creep in and become more prevalent. And then all of that other stuff that I was uncomfortable with started to fade into like the lexicon of the game of this, this weirdness is the universe. Yeah. Like people are not necessarily um, acting on the same uh volitions that they would in the real world because this is a surreal world mm-hmm. or like a magical world i guess um and uh i mean i think that this it became more um this feeling i think of uh unease or um not unease but this kind of magical surrealism or realism the strangeness, uh, the strangeness of it i think it became more clear through the strength of the writing and the 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 tone of the conversations that you were having. Um, you I feel so much this disconnection. I just sort of maybe looking back now, maybe act one and two were kind of setting the scene through three and four mm. um, onwards. Cause I felt three and four were the really strong ones. Although I struggled a lot with the entertainment cause I was like, I'm a barfly and I can't do anything. I can't get off <laughs> this chair. I have to watch this play for how long it seems really mundane. But then you read bits, you know, like what music is playing on the jukebox or what they're actually saying on stage. And then later realizing that the play happened, although there are people in the audience watching behind me as well. And it was that sort of like, I'm in it, I'm not in it. I'm helping to write the game by picking these Mm -hmm. options, but I'm not because someone else built the game, obviously. But I think Um, that that element was something that was really interesting to me, that you were helping write the game. Because realistically, like the conversations that you're having with people, they're not branching conversations. They're not like, uh, they're realistically very linear conversations. Uh, and Although I imagine the game does branch in some interesting ways. Which you sure, which I, I, have a que- I have questions about that. But okay. I imagine that the conversations you have are essentially the same every time. But you change the tone and meaning of them very drastically. Yeah, and very in very surprising ways. Where um, I mean, they're written in a way where it actually doesn't actually matter what you say because I, I think that the people's reactions to it would fit no matter what very mm-hmm. well. Uh, but like what you are choosing the characters to say means that you're actually yeah writing the feeling and tone of yeah. that element of the game, that moment, their backstory. And it's not like a good or evil or lawful or chaotic thing. It's like the p- aesthetic of the prose, um, which I thought was really interesting. I mean, there's something like where uh, Shannon is asking about your family and you can reply in such vastly different mm. character shaping yeah. ways, um, you know, implying family and estrangement a death of a loved one um <laughs> lonesome and so the interesting thing about that for me is that i played this game over yes yeah, seven years and i feel and it's weird 
revisiting the game with every time a new act came out and, re- and having to remember what I'd done in the last act and stuff and sort of seeing like my own psyche coming back to me like of where I was at the time I this is this is why I'm like I'm almost like weirded out by the thought of coming and playing it all in one because the experience I've had of playing over seven, seven years is like no joke profound in terms of going back and realizing that's what I said about this character at this time and I would not say that now given the same choice but I'm fine with that because that's you know and going into the final act it was like in you know now is like really interesting of going wow I'm in such a different place and how I feel mm. about certain characters is like I'm still being fed the same information but my responses are different and it's getting me to think about how I've changed and stuff and I think like I'm, I no game has very few games have done that for me and mm. And, and certainly none have done it in this way over this time frame like playing over seven years like i can't recommend that to someone i can't say hey play one act every x amount of years but like i almost <laughs> like i'm almost like so glad that i did because yeah like nothing like it like yeah um so to loop back around i guess to that second loaded thought i had so that i was interested is, in regarding yeah, i mean okay. it's specifically regarding more diverse art influencing this game uh, do you think this game is pretentious? Is that the question? <laughs> that's, that's the question. Um, no. Uh, so then what does... So the reason I asked this question, okay. obviously, um, after going back, playing this game, writing my thoughts on it, uh, and then reading about other people's thoughts, it was pretty much split down. Uh, not the middle. There's an overwhelming... like. Uh, positive praise for this game for sure um but any game that was not glowing would describe this game specifically as pretentious um (laughs) and uh do you want my arrogant or my considered answer well maybe both but um reading or watching the full thoughts of these reviews that you know people had a negative response to this game it royal it obviously often would boil down to other issues like gameplay or challenge or something like that but the the words that they would use specifically uh about you know in their summation of the game is um pretentious and i guess both i'm curious about in relation to this game but also what does pretension even mean in the context of games can i tell you about this game and the film that got me to understand pretentiousness (laughs) okay so i don't think this game is pretentious Mm -hmm. because i played it and I did find, like, when I played because this... Because you played it, it's I not played, pretentious. <laughs> I played it back in 2013. Now, 2013, like, I just finished uni. I was pretentious probably in 2013. <laughs> this game made me realize I was an idiot. Okay. And not in a bad way. It made me go, fuck, I don't understand a lot of the references and literature that this is drawing. Like, I, magical realism, never understood. The thing about this game is it got me to go and check out all that stuff. And it never felt like it was Patrick. And but the thing is, I enjoyed the game even not knowing that stuff. I didn't. It never felt like ah, you don't know about this author or this book. You can't understand the scene. No, the game is written really plainly. Mm-hmm. I don't think you. Ha- I've got. A, I've got a friend who doesn't play a lot of games, and this is one of their favorite games ever. And 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 the most the, the in context, their other favorite games are shit like Gears of War or something. Mm-hmm. So like, <laughs> to me, this game is no not offense, pre- Gears of War. <laughs> no offense, but this game is not pretentious because to to me, because I'm like, you can get on. Is it it is not it does not berate you for not no, having the influences that it has. But what about I mean, so Maggie's experience, everybody's experience playing through the uh the the it's not a diner, I guess. It's a theater play uh, production, a student yeah, a production student, of. Yeah. 
of a scene in a diner would you sit through for an hour i guess where you're stuck in the something like that it you're stuck really in the long. play you're stuck in the play basically watching a student production of of the theater yeah um and i mean i was really engaged with that but i think but to be fair though that is that's the entertainment and stuff so these are like the in-between acts so i feel like the in, yeah it was the interlude the, so uh, I, I mean i guess i i definitely play the interludes as integral to the game yeah. I, I so i have a weird yeah. so i played like i say i've i played this over seven years so the interludes were pretty much i would play when i was like oh the next act's not long mm. ah i didn't play the interlude and then i play that mm. so like the spacing between all this is there so i don't again like so that hour thing of setting through it was like after a year of not being playing right. kentucky Way zero sure. so my experience my experience in relationship with all that stuff is so different like yeah because it felt like the pacing suddenly dropped and we're all waiting for june bug and johnny to turn up yeah except they don't and then there's a strange death going on and I turn around and the music is getting horrible. Not the music, the static mm-hmm. is getting awful. And, and you know, from um, Barkeep Harry's words, you know something's going to happen. You know, there's going to be some kind of reckoning, especially when he tells, um, what's the name of the girl, to go away, you should leave. You, you're asking me to remember oh, no. something that was like years <laughs> ago. Specifics are a little fuzzy. Her parents are sitting at the table and they all get collected. Um, it's part of that. It's a trade that Harry made to the distillery. I remember, um, yeah, yeah, because that because that's helped a lot. Awful. Yeah, I feel like I mean it's interesting hearing you say that about the interludes because for me they were um, they were very integral into the pacing of the story and then giving giving a context to the acts. So uh, in between each one, it would almost like it would set this tone and bring you out of the strict narrative. Um, I mean, it's almost, I guess, in a literary sense, place setting, um, you know, whatever, yeah. describing uh, describing the scene in a way. Do so you want but to then, hear my definition of pretentious, though? Uh, yeah, I do. I would like to hear both of your definitions of pretentious. Prete- pretentious, so in the inverse of Kentucky Rezier, and I'm going to use a film as an example. Okay. <laughs> Prometheus, the alien prequel, is pretentious. And it's pretentious because its plot is extremely simple. But they make it, they obscure it, make it difficult to follow, and inflate it with nothing but references and nothing but allusions to other books and stuff. And if you don't understand those references, there's key plot elements that you don't really have explained to you or have conveyed to you properly. That's pretentious. That is, I've read these things, so therefore that makes what I'm making better. That's the opposite. Kentucky Route Zero to me has a lot of influences, but it never uses them to inflate a sense of self-importance or anything. It never that's, does that. So that's a wrong definition, but it's a fine interpretation of it. That's <laughs> what pretension says to me. Uh, yeah, no, no. I mean, obviously. So, cool, well, I'd like to hear your your definition I, of pretentious. Uh, I can't say I have a definition of it other than like the prick at the bar who thinks he's very good looking and is wearing all the fancy clothes and stuff. But anyway. <laughs> Uh, that's um, kind I, of closer. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. I th- f- and I think it's really funnily. <laughs> I don't know if that's a word funnily, but I mean, pretentious to me is now like it's the like the word literally where, <laughs> where in this world of opinions, it's taken in the world of opinions, it's taken on a completely different meaning colloquial, colloquially. So that when people use it now, they're really trying to say things like yeah. "I was bored" or "I didn't understand it" yeah. or "I don't like to read subtitles." Um, but like i mean yeah the literal definition of it uh is attempting to impress by affecting greater importance or merit than it actually possessed uh so like how you're describing prometheus is more like elitism i guess or academic Mm. elitism where you're uh i mean that's just pretty much putting on the ears of all this like but expecting people to know more is more like is like a is a is a thing of expectation where 
there's no expectation for pretension, I guess, as far as pretentiousness doesn't uh, expect anything of you. It's actually a, it's a more of a performative show of meaning, I guess. Well, that's, I, well to be fair, I think that, that that is what Prometheus has because I think it substitutes actual depth and meaning with just, whoa, I know I've read, I've, I've read this book. So therefore I don't have to fill in anything in my film. And sure. it's like, where's Kentucky Re-Zero? I agree with you about Prometheus, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> bad movie. But Kentucky Re-Zero, I feel like the, the thing, the strength, like you say, I've, I've friends who who never engaged, actually never went on beyond it like I did and read the stuff that influenced it or when they learned about it and they still love it. And I think that speaks to the fact that this game doesn't doesn't like sink into that. It, it has, it is complete in of itself and they have, and like I say, like the dialogue is very plain and easy to follow. There is not, the I tone can't... of it is complicated. I guess like the, the feel of it is weird and surreal, but in terms of like actually following like the, the plot i don't think it's that complicated you've got you've got delivery mm-hmm. that's it it's but pretty I think straightforward it's, it's not the complication of it that i think just to be clear i don't yeah. i don't have any issues with this game <laughs> yeah. um i feel like because it's just basically a concern about the greater uh uh media not about this game like i mean people can have opinions on anything i think that saying that i was bored about this game or i didn't understand that this game are completely valid p- opinions yeah. and feelings towards it. Uh, I think that the issue is maybe that when I say we, I don't mean that specifically, but there's been, um, we've created a discourse around art where people feel like they can't say things like I was bored or I didn't, I just didn't like it or I didn't understand it without making it seem like we're well, without them feeling like they are saying that they're, they're an un- uncultured or they're yeah. unintelligent. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. those things become synonymous. Um, which then, so instead of just saying those things, people default to saying something was pretentious. Yeah, I agree with that. And it takes time to learn to say, like, actually, yeah, tell the truth. Like, just, I was born by this. And you just think engage with it. And I think that Kentucky Route Zero is a game that asks you to engage with it a little more, maybe, than, say, an FPS, um, where you go around shooting the baddies or whatever. <laughs> because, I think, I think uh, what's the most pretentious first-person shooter? <laughs> Well, Bioshock. I mean, yeah, easy. Like, done, bang, done. I mean, like, I, I can think of an example where um, normally on Kentucky, well, on, on the Route Zero, I would go to whatever place they said, you know, turn clockwise at whatever item and then mm-hmm. go right. But one time I thought, you know what, I do want to get off and see what the feather is. I, I want to see what the anchor is. What happens if I try to get off? And the one I got off of was that um, Hole of the Mountain King. Yeah. Um, which I guess you guys did as well. Yep. Like, but that, I mean... It's a lovely name, and we do go up a mountain where there's a fire, and we meet Donald, who is the, the trio of uh, Joseph, uh, Donald, and Lulu. Um, but also, Hold the Mountain King is the name of a, a music piece yeah. from like the 1800s or something, I can't remember. But to know, I don't know this melody itself, but to know that, to play it through, is a different experience from just reading it and going up the I mean, it's still great. You know, you go all the way up, you see these abandoned like backpacks and pet carriers and bookshelves. And it's very haunting. And then you meet Donald himself and the computer is Xanadu as well and have to fix that. But it, it's just a different layer in terms of experience, I think. I mean, I think like in the case of that, like I think if you know the whole of the Mountain King but and the story But if you don't there, know it, it's also okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's fine. Yeah. So I kind of see your point. Strong. For a long time, I actually thought artful games had a better chance at mainstream success or wider appeal really? than similarly, similarly considered films like art house films. Um, 
films seem to have that immediate barrier of when you're consuming it, you're inactive uh, and you have no agency over what's going on. Uh, so that a film that's boring somebody is basically immediately entirely inaccessible. Um, especially in a culture now where like three second cuts are the norm yeah, yeah. kind of thing. But games I thought were different because there's agency and engagement with the user so that even if like the story was boring or whatever was boring, you still had you had tangible, some, you had something you. that you were attached to. But seeing, I think, the reaction to a game, which is so deeply influenced and connected and referencing uh, a wider spectrum of art, um, and seeing a reaction of from professional game critics just kind of flippantly call it pretentious uh, was surprising. Um, not that I yeah don't think that people can be bored or something like that, but it's it really the flippancy of thing of different hmm. of I mean of discarding something like this was just kind of off off putting in a it, way. Okay. If it encourages you, I mean to use my, myself as an example, my friend, but I I am genuinely surprised at the people. Who I would, yeah, I would never expect them to sit and watch, you know, some like French cinema, mm -hmm. but love this game. So if it encourages you, I think, yeah, there might be some critics that are quite flippant, but I think there's actually a contingency of Kentucky Route Zero's audience who have never experienced, and I certainly hadn't to a large degree before I played this, um, who hadn't experienced stuff like this, and this got them on board. Mm. And, and even if they didn't go off and enjoy other stuff, they did enjoy this. And I think. I think there is something. I don't think this game is like has that like holdover where like you have this really fun game loop that makes you engage with a kind of art experience that you wouldn't otherwise. I, I think like Kentucky Reserve requires a lot of patience and stuff. Yeah. yeah. But I think because what is good about it is it asks you, constantly asks you to engage with it directly. It's not like it's a shooter with these bits. Do you know what I mean? The game is engage. The game is all about engaging with the subject matter. You could not do a watch a let's play of this and get the same thing no even though no. it's just a game that's basically boiled down no because it's all it's all about, i mean even aside from the audio visual thing like just the the connection that you're building of that co-authorship is what defines it especially over like all five acts yeah and i think yeah there's just I th i'm surprised at the people that have played it and i think i think i don't know i think I think definitely there's something to be encouraged that Kentucky Route Zero exists, that they got to do all five acts, that mm. it is going on other platforms. Like, it's never going to be... It was, like, Kentucky Route Zero is never going to be the next Doom or whatever, but it's <laughs> like... But it is definitely got a lot going on. That obviously a lot of the, not obviously, but some of the flippancy about the game, the reaction to this game came a lot from the fact that, um, yeah, that there's not, that the gameplay of this game is the, your interaction with the narrative. Um, and so if we're going to talk about the game in that, in that respect, uh, about the, if we're going to talk about the gameplay of this game, it's going to be about that, um, and uh, I guess the little moments around that. Um, yeah. There's a, I mean, I think I think the the I think now that the thing's finished, I think I have so much appreciation now for how it starts. 
and the opening of the game has stuck with me. Like the we're showing up at that petrol station uh, or gas, oils, st- yeah. gas yeah. station, <laughs> um, which I didn't realize until somebody showed me like a zoomed out version. The entire underground is the body of the horse. Uh, when you go down underneath the petrol station, that oh, is actually okay. the shape of the statue of the horse's body, that, yeah. and then it's just the head sticking out the top. Mm. I, I love the head design. Like the first, yeah, the first like, look, I was like, oh, that, that was like the very thing. first thing I saw of the game. So like that was what I was like, that game, yeah, that, yeah, <laughs> and playing it and just that weird mood setter of like, just, like so many of the key elements of that game were established in that first scene of like the mood and what it's about, and mm. even introduce starts to introduce the, that magic with the, the the lights coming on and off and the yeah. the, the poker players like disappearing. Yeah. Like there's like immediately starts to bring you, draw you into that world and stuff. Um, and yeah, you make one of the biggest, which what I feel is one of the biggest choices of the game, which is naming the dog. What did you name the dog? Homer. Homer. Yeah. Just after my dog, Belmondo. <laughs> oh, I, wait, you could literally choose. I thought it was just Homer or Blue or just some old dog. I thought um, those are three options I got. Gosh, maybe I'm, I think I'm actually thinking of another game now that you mentioned did you, it. Did you like just <laughs> mentally imprint your dog's <laughs> yeah. name on it? Uh, uh, yeah, because now I remember I was just Homer. Um, because okay. you were also choosing the gender of the dog at that point now. Yeah. Um, and just in my brain then, I was transplanted to another part where oh, you wow. can, another yeah. game where you can name your dog. I, uh, uh, sorry for the confusion. That's um, all right. No, yes, like, because it's like he's named homer or she's named blue yeah um, i called her blue i was like yes yeah, blue and also the game immediately i was like this is a sad game that is that dog is blue and um and yeah just that <laughs> that the opening like, like even that first act like the the this the sequence in the mines like i think that's the first proper like really surreal sequence when you're you're taking the main you're the, the it's running off the the battery and you're going through the mine and the lights keep coming off and you keep yeah. seeing the like flicker of the ghosts of the miners and mm-hmm. stuff like which, then the whole thing with the miners is like the recurring plot of the whole game um mm. and yeah you meet yeah you meet all the characters like um god just so many sequences right away that are like like just set as like the the sequence who's the weaver weaver marquez yeah and you go to the house and like the the the, for, the first time you see that sense of when you go indoors and the outside will become like see-through and you go yeah. into like it's such a wonderful visual transition they yeah. do a lot of the time but yeah like that sequence like so much of that first side is really embedded in me because like it, it just i hadn't seen anything or experienced anything like it before okay and i thought of oxen free actually a little bit because oh yeah first, everyone's quite small on the well, I had, well i had the reverse when i well, played oxen free i was like oh this played, is like yeah. this, is, this is like <laughs> kentucky route zero for millennials um <laughs> But uh, yeah, I think Kentucky so- Route Zero is Kentucky Route Zero. For yeah, years. I mean, yeah, really. But um, I think so much of that first act impressed impressed upon me. But then, really, when I think about it, so much of this, like, there's so literally so many scenes and sequences that even seven years later, I remember vividly. And I think, wow, like I've played, I've like sunk fifty hours into that. I have played the entirety of the campaign of Crisis Two. And I've probably put more time into that than I did this game. And I can only remember Hans Zimmer's terrible theme tune for it. And I think, like, that oh speaks volumes. I just watched Thelma and Louise the other night. And uh, that game so- has such a tonal disconnect. That movie, that game. That I was like, movie, I would play the Thelma and Louise that game. That movie has such a tonal disconnect between the music and, uh, <laughs> and the film because of Hans Zimmer's fucking wankery. <laughs> <laughs> Hans Zimmer. Uh, anyway. Damn you. But, um... 
But like, yeah, like so, and 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 also even just like the first time they have a musical segment, like yeah, when you go to Weaver's house, like like that, like again, I'd never seen anything like that in a game. There was so much that this game was establishing in terms of its rules and how the game would operate that it would continue to follow until I feel like the act Act Five is quite a departure Different. in some ways. Yeah. yeah, but sorry, do you like Act One? Um, when you first leave the station, Equus Oils. And you've talked to Joseph, you've turned on the computer, you've seen these two very strange messages, um, tried to play games. Do you remember the map, the first time you saw the map? How, how did that make you feel? It was a black and then a white schematic. Like when you zoom out and you have, in, you have control of the Just wheel, Just the wheel, I guess, yeah, instead of a truck. Yeah, I mean, it's, I um, found that, like, really fun. Yeah, <laughs> like, I... I I loved it and I loved it because it was like the game is very minimalist. Mm-hmm. I think that was the the game and it is most minimalist because it's you, you hear the sounds of it. It's so evocative. Like See, that's really interesting because I was just listening to Waypoint this morning when they were talking to Tucky Word Sierra and they were saying, you know, it, it's been described by so many people as minimalist, but it's not really a minimalist game. There's a lot going I, on. I there. guess I mean I guess but I mean, I visually mean, just visually, visually minimally. Aesthetically, it does seem because yeah. low poly and you know, like no yeah. details in your faces. And the sparing audio colors. and Yeah, yeah. I guess I guess it's, again as as relatively minimalist. I don't think it. Yeah, it's not actually minimalist yeah. at all, really. But um, what what kind of games would you describe as minimalist? Actually, and say Thomas was alone. <laughs> what was that? Thomas was alone. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But sorry, go on. But um, but yeah, like the the first time the highway, and even the recurring segments throughout, like the the one where you you finally get into Kentucky Route Zero, and it's the cave, yes. and you're spinning around, and it's like almost like you've got like this sonograph of it and stuff, yeah. and it's like this is weird and cool, <laughs> yeah. and I love it. And but just like to get there with radio waves or something, because you fix the TV, because you get Shannon's help to fix Weaver's TV finally, um, and it also just made me think like is Weaver this person who just jumps through time? Or what does she do? She She's very good at mathematics. We knew that much. She's the cousin who's mm-hmm. like a genius or gifted. And she does work for the radio station, the yeah. television station at some point and jams her signal just because she can and then turns <laughs> up in dreams or something. Both her and the visual representations of like driving, I guess, whether it was on the... Uh, on 65 or route zero or yes the, then you get the unicycle the um <gasps> when you're on the boat those actually were the most uh like lynchian for me but specifically because of uh, but not i mean it's all of his early stuff like all of his stuff mm. before blue velvet basically um early 80s late 90s stuff uh when he was doing really experimental weird stuff um and there's kind of some visual references which i'll put up We'll put up in the the uh, description of the video, or uh, and uh, where you can really see like almost a direct. Uh, it's not a lifting, and it's not even an homage, I would say, but a direct reference and influence on uh, from a lot of his um, from Lynch's early work on the visual style okay. of this of those it, on so those specific um, those specific parts of the game, I guess, like the kind of. Um, yeah, how those maps or worlds or I mean, I don't even know how you describe it, but how you're how you... I, I think the fact that they don't give you a definitive sense of space is yeah. what makes it so so much of a like this experiential is why thing. Zero is a weird road. I mean, nobody mm. wanted to really go on it. They'd say that the yeah. Stereo Boys were weird, that something like not right with them. Or they'd say like, oh, if you're going to go there, you know, look out. Or do you sure you want to go? Um, I, there's a recording when you fix Xanadu, um, which is also from Coleridge, by the way. That's a reference. But anyway, um, there's a recording where Joseph talks about having found, I think, in the caves, um, Kentucky Road Zero for the first time. 
And he says like, oh my God, it's like the real world there. They've got jobs, they go to church, but there's this kind of emptiness there. I think I think in Dugger Route Zero, like putting on my big what's this game about hat <laughs> i feel like Kentucky zero is, is this metaphor for like falling off the tr- like if you've ever had a point in your life where you didn't know what the fuck you were doing for work you didn't know where you were with your family or anything like i went i think when i first moved to london which i started playing this game before that but i think when i first moved to london i had no idea what was going on in my life i worked freelance i didn't have a steady job i had no family um i was just getting to know friends that lived here i felt re- like i felt like i'd properly fallen and my mental health was terrible and i properly felt like i'd fallen off the cracks at the, you know at the edge of the map or something mm-hmm. and Guitar zero feels like this the this the, the root itself feel, and that's why people talk about it because it's not it's not a like physical it's more like a this is this is a bit of your life you don't really want to happen or have to go through and you keep and it's pe- the people that exist in the Kentucky Route Zero are people that didn't fit in anywhere else and you find some people that manage to thrive there yeah. in this sort of really hard they manage to eke out a living but no one has it easy basically and I feel like that like everywhere you visit throughout the Kentucky Route Zero is basically that and the only the only place that sort of prospers is like the distillery and stuff that is like like almost like um it's feeding off a consolidated it. power company yeah yeah mm, like yeah. it doesn't feel like a healthy no um thing like at all think of amazon yeah yeah <laughs> big mean, time. literally eight these people because <laughs> it's it's like this big um it's like one of the few like brightly lit spaces and everything yeah. there's no dark edges in mm. there and it's just if yeah, you feel so exposed and it's very it's very weird but um but i think i think then to to because the the whole subplot of like um conway he's on for this last delivery and i think having finished it i think the the sense when you start the game is there but i didn't maybe i wasn't maybe super aware of it but like like conway is like either about to retire super super big spoilers yes uh, super big spoilers uh, in the next 20 minutes but i (laughs) I need to talk about it because i wonder how it plays out because in my game okay what happened conway conway disappeared in act four okay uh, the the when company. When you say disappeared, the company. When I went down with Shannon yep. to the phone directory board thing. Yeah. Um. What's it? The the thing you of. You made it, a delivery to the operator. Yes. Think of me when you press zero. Yeah. And they came and took Conway away, and that was it. I never saw him again. And yeah. I was like, like that was like that was and and obviously the whole Act Four is and I and it I, it was like this great tension between like. I didn't think we, I was like, oh, we're going to save Conway. But the whole and it wasn't until like because there's a moment after that. And then you go to the diner mm-hmm. and then there's the be- the, be- the absolutely beautiful scene where because he leaves you his truck. Mm-hmm. And then there's the bit where it's like, we can't get us up the stairs. Yeah. And it's like final. It's like the finally it's like you, you're going to have to let go, basically. Yeah. And the whole of Act 4 that I, in retrospect that I didn't really appreciate was Conway basically constantly trying to tell people i'm on my way out and whether you see that as like he retires or the afterlife or however you want to view that but it's like it's definitely like it feels like this was but that whole of act four is him saying goodbye um and not really but the 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 sad part of it is is him not knowing how to say goodbye and it's just like so is 
I don't know if anybody knows this but explicitly, you, but does Conway? Is there ever a, an iteration of the branching narratives where Conway? I don't know the specifics, cards? but I don't know. I, I lost Conway in similar way too. Um. So there's. So I don't know how it happens or whatever, but yes, he can show up in Act Five really? because I've seen screenshots of him in Act Five. Mm. I don't know if maybe that exists to obscure, but I've definitely seen people talk about Conway le- coming out of Act Four. So yours. That's a okay. totally different story. Same thing that happened to Sam. Um, where you have the option of he left or they took him away. And I picked they took him away because it felt like it. Yeah, they took him, yeah. I felt like he was tricked into it because they went into the church. Do you remember him and Shannon went down and then you play as Ezra looking at tombstones for a bit. Um, And when he goes down, he's greeted by this, I don't know to call them, glowing skeletons, Mm -hmm. electric skeletons. And it's Doolittle. And I got confused for a bit because I remember reading Doolittle in um, the entertainment and I thought Doolittle was the writer of the play. It's not. Who's that vet for all the Please. dogs, right? <laughs> so, okay, Alex. <laughs> but it's actually Carrington, and it's a character I didn't run into in Act 1 and so never saw again for their whole game. But I kind of want to replay it to see what happens. Well, the um, so the, the thing about it, like, so it was interesting. So basically, for me, Conway, basically, the way I played him out in Act 4 and stuff, basically, he's resigned to this. Like, that's mm-hmm. the whole fight feeling. It was like, he's just like, I'm not fighting this. This is not good, yeah, but I'm not fighting not, it. Yeah. But then in turn, Shannon, like even though I, the player, had almost like I understood this, that this was this was Conway's choice right. in a way. I Shannon was not happy about it. No. So all her final choices were angry and yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like she wasn't she had not made peace with it. So no. interestingly, I have written down in my notes, uh, does Conway always die? As a question. <laughs> <laughs> um and uh now hearing you both talk about um him disappearing or what was ever happening i'm not sure if this is how i wrote it into my own story or if it was actually explicitly uh said like that was as as a thing um they just talk about him going away sure well but i mean i also don't know because i i remember there being options like that but uh i also feel pretty strongly that he was dead because of uh because of how the other characters were acting, uh, which I actually thought was really beautiful in a way. Um, I mean, the, at I the mean end we've of, got to talk about the final act. Uh, well, I mean, even at the end of Act 4, uh, the event felt so understood. Uh, like, I didn't have any of people being upset or like, sorry, people well, the, the, only pe- the only person that was upset in my game was Shannon. Mm. She was uh, like, she was not. Everyone in my game was like understanding of like, oh, this time has come. Yeah. Um, and was very, it was almost like they, because maybe, you know, he had, I mean, it was mostly just his leg, but maybe deteriorating health or just kind of like. But I, rem- I remember the time when I got to the final, ep- the, fi- the end of the episode in the scene with the truck and realized that Conway really was gone. I remember like crying my heart out because <laughs> I'd, I just was like under the impression he was, he was going to get to the end. And obviously, mm. in, in retrospect, I realized that the game is all about, basically, and or at least my version of the game was all about mm-hmm. him coming to the end and making peace with it and sort of, like, yeah. you know, even from the end of Act 2, it's starting to really l- nail down, like, nah, this is... He's going, mm-hmm. and... And yeah, but I just, I just assume, because there's five acts, and Conway was the character you started playing, I was like, oh, he can't leave. And, it, and, the, way he ha- and the way he's taken is so undramatic there's no big struggle or anything he just goes yeah i mean it's like this acceptance well in my game in my story or whatever i I don't know if it was it felt like an acceptance of death and then in this world uh 
whatever you know universe that this world exists in like that is how death happens in a way i don't know it's just something that was like felt very natural to me and very easy to accept based on the reactions of the characters like they were just so quietly uh accepting of it there was a solemn uh solemnness about it but it was very like um just i guess very felt much like oh yeah it was his time there's a, there's a song they, so the song that plays right afterwards when you go to the diner um which is um i don't know if it's the title of the song but they made the chorus um i don't feel like i belong in this world anymore i'm like that's it that's the cementing of like mm. but it's like shannon listening to that and it's almost like reassuring for her and i guess to ex- by extension perhaps the player of just like yeah it's okay like this is this is not great yeah. but it's okay and like that that act four just like broke my heart. I didn't read that as dying at all. I I mean I could be completely wrong. It's also hard, I guess, to say because there are apparently there are uh, differentiating uh, or but I think uh, I think branching narratives that I don't I don't know the extent of it. I didn't look up just in case I was gonna go but, back but and that's, try that's to explore things. To me because like, like the the whole because of this thing, the what in the Kentucky Route Zero was all about was Conway mm-hmm. and his death. But that's what the game was about. Yeah. I mean, I so the thought of even... like him not dying is like, what's the game about? I mean, ov- obviously it can be about other things, but that's a very different game to yeah. me. Like, I mean, or even reading into it, if it was him disappearing or something, maybe that is like the significance of death in this universe. You know, like having to go work at that brewery, wherever. Maybe if yeah, I, if, the, if it was the electric skeletons bringing you away to the company, maybe that is death. I mean, everyone who was working was there, like coming everyone out who was working there were skeletons and everything. And I mean, this is maybe a bit like almost literal um, and literal allegory, um, uh, which I don't know how strong that is or whatever feelings on that. But I mean, it's it's not too much of a step for uh, too much of a leap to say like, okay, this is this universe's death. I guess I hadn't even got to taking that step far. I just thought was reading it as like, oh, <laughs> yeah, he, I mean, he's not here anymore because he died. Yeah. Um, oh, I guess yeah, you can see like you can see this thing of like, oh, I think it's like. Well, it's like the, it's the idea i guess like to t- this is like a really crass way of describing but like selling out like he's given up on eking out this living and making ways for himself and he's like nah i'm just gonna work for the big company and stuff and that's so, dying so yeah. Yeah, like, yeah like selling your soul you've become a literally an electrical resource for the company to use until you die like michael in the other van yeah and, um, and it, i would have felt that they would have been that the other characters would have been more upset if that was the case though like if yeah, it was a really? selling out aspect i, mean, I think for, i think it's interlinked though i think uh, that's the point but i think yeah. people understand it it's mm. like we're like i think the feeling the feeling i got at the game is that these people are not happy about this situation when yeah. these this thing they're not happy about it but they're but they okay with it, it. Yeah. yeah it's like it's like yeah you make peace with it yeah and i think that's where the tension and the heartbreak is because yeah. you you can't fight it and that's the, the scene with the truck yeah. it's like there's no point where there's that there's a moment of like every character is just like no we can't get up the stairs there's no yeah. there's no debate about it shannon yeah, can offer a little bit of resistance but then it's very but, um, yeah we can't like same with them um, the interlude after that where emily is in the station and they're recording and you know the ceiling all the water's coming through yeah, the floor is getting yeah. flooded she's like oh there's there's wires there it's not dangerous and all our tapes here but they keep going anyway even though they know it's kind of like the end is coming you know the end is coming because yeah. the raindrops are getting louder and then the water starts rising can we before we um, go on to the ending which yeah. i feel is a real part can i yeah. i want to talk about like my two favorite characters Junebug and Johnny, take it away. Yeah. Who show up? Well, they like you're in the middle of Act Three. The car, the truck's broken down. Everything's like, and then it just cuts. Like there's no yeah. warning. It just yeah. cuts to like suddenly you get because there's that like funky little music playing. Yeah, they yeah, show up and they're like on this motorbike, <laughs> and it's just suddenly for a brief moment like this almost completely different game about this like 
like these just two weird characters and i've oh i love jim bog and johnny like they were just like so very much like akin to like me my personality like i felt like so in tune with them and they're like not like that that like tender between wanting to be laid back but also stressed out your mind and like and yeah like the the music they make and stuff and just or when they sing and they're cyborgs as well yeah i know like like, like, every time they moved i love i love that the game just oh yeah we're cyborgs and it's no no discussion (laughs) and also i think the in terms of music i think that the the in terms of like wow like just in terms of i guess the spectacle the sequence where they perform Mm -hmm. um is like Un- unbelievably beautiful where the, the ceiling lifts off yeah. and that like when i was like years ago like now like when i played that like that blew my mind like that was just like just literally like spacing out like that sequence was just wonderful i i like how um i i know it's weird thing to say but i like how these sequences are uh they're more beautiful in the context of the game, like you couldn't show somebody that scene without them experiencing yeah. the no. whole the thing whole up build to those up things. and the, the yeah. like the fact that there isn't a lot of sound, and then yeah. suddenly you get this whole you know. And I think it speaks to like your connection of the narrative that you've helped yeah. write with people's backstories. And, I mean, I'm sure um, I'm sure some of we could still appreciate it on some level, but definitely sure, not. Sure, because it's a nice song and everything. But as far as the actual, also the uh, my other favorite thing with Jim Bog and Johnny is the relationship with Ezra. So like. Yeah. In my game, they ba- they basically adopt yeah, Ezra, same. basically, and and that was like I I loved it, but I I loved it wasn't like a simple thing of like oh they would just happily take him on. There's like this real discussion and tension with like Jim Bug and Johnny yeah. about worrying how will this affect our relationship yeah, and their stuff, dynamics. and like you know like they don't want things to change and stuff, and like. I've, they take him anyway. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's just like, well, <laughs> Can yeah. Can he be a drummer? <laughs> yeah, that's what this but the end's great. Yeah. But the um but yeah, just uh they they were just like there's a lot of great characters and Shannon I think is just w- so wonderfully understated in her writing. Like I think she has so much heart and so much of what she says and yet she's just totally getting on with shit. Like I her and Conway's relationship was really interesting just because Conway's definitely the end of all, like, he's burnt out, like, and it was interesting, like, Shannon is, like, feels way further back in terms of that progression where she's, like, she's got a lot of shit, but she's just fucking getting on with it and eking out her living and stuff, and it's, and I guess in the context of what happens to Conway, like, going into the ending, like, for a lot of the characters, but especially for Shannon, it's, like, that's the, that's the road you don't want to go down. You want to find... You want to find something and try and like keep holding on and find you know and not just settle into eking out. You got to find a middle ground somewhere. And I feel the fifth act is basically, I mean, so the game's like a point and click, but then you get to act five and it's still a point and click, but it suddenly changes from what for a start you're only in one location, which is like huge shift but you run around for ages yeah you run around for ages just basically it's not clear how i mean i guess it only takes place over a couple of days but in some ways it feels longer Mm -hmm. but before we go into the fifth can i just add one thing about um conway and i don't know if you caught this but there's one bit where an interlude i think starts with lisette and she seems to be forgetting things yeah yeah that's like there's a nurse someone's going to come pick her up to a home it sounds like i mean i'm not sure but it sounds like she's got some form of Alzheimer's. Uh, yeah, she's leaving. She just can't remember really little things, and Conway keeps trying to remind her. But he's kind of like it's—he can't do anything about it. She's gonna get picked up in a bit, 
And it and it made me think of how earlier in the game, if you just drive around uh, Kentucky in the real world, um, you come across a sort of bar, I think, and and there's a memory there of him and Lizette when they were younger. Mm -hmm. I, I, I remember And this. it sounded like they were like maybe young lovers when they were teenagers or something. And then he left, went away somewhere, got a job, came back, but Lizette's married to Ira, whom he then stays with. And Ira can't stand him because he's like, oh, this alcoholic. And you wonder why, what happened? You know, did Lizette marry Ira while he was away? What happened there? Did Conway never quite let go? He lives in their barn. He's an alcoholic. This is his life now. Um, they've had a kid. And the one day that Conway can't get up and go to work, Charlie helps Ira out in the roof. And that's how he falls and dies. And of course, it's an accident. You know, yeah, that's yeah, how he falls and dies. But there's this sort of like horrible tragedy. Does, does he want to continue living in this Kentucky without Lizette? With I think all these memories of Charlie. I think the feeling like for Conway, like like I say, like he's burnt out is just yeah, he's like because I think the thing with him is like he's not just he's had a hard life and you know drinking and a lot of a lot of the like fundamental problems of growing up are only briefly alluded to, yeah. but like. Like that tragedy has followed him into well into his well, adult life. Yeah, this yeah. is not something he ever got away from, and you totally no. understand that feeling of like I just yeah like he still has a a responsibility though, and like a dedication. Like I mean, you know, when you say burnt out, at least for me, that connotation is very much where you're almost you're doing this thing, but you're going through the motions in a way that you could completely forget or not care about what you were actually doing. No, he definitely cares uh, about the delivery and stuff. Well, yeah, right? I mean, like obviously, that's the whole you know impetus of of this of the game is how important it is to make this delivery regardless but, but of that's it. i think that's what was interesting to me because by the end he's like he asked shannon to finish the delivery for mm -hmm. him so it's like a weird thing of like Passing this this switch. is important but it's but i it's not for me like for me i've got him because he's on. dead yeah. <laughs> and um, that's the thing i don't think he's dead. he got tricked so he got his leg fixed but they uh -huh. didn't give him because he knocked him out right they didn't give him the terms and conditions and the doctor was like i have no control over this payment um just look at the fine print and i think and it's so i think it's slowly all... transforms yeah without wanting to though i mean it's but i think choice. i think it's all tied in though it's like it's not his choice. It's all about making... I think a lot of the game is about... And I think that ties into the fact that the game isn't like uh, like choose your own adventure in the traditional sense because it is more about coming to terms with the things you can't change. Like that's really... Like in terms of these communities that have lost their industries, um, in terms of the flood that happens towards the end mm -hmm. of the game and Conway himself, like it's all about, yeah, reconciling with the, the stuff that they can change. And for him, it's like just... Like the the thought of like selling out and going into just a nine to five job and like cleaning up and stuff, or or even another way of looking at it is I'm just giving up and just I'm just gonna drink and do what I have to do, and then yeah, that's really getting burnt out and going through the motions, and then playing that out is akin to death as far as Kentucky Route Zero interprets it. I feel like I feel like mm. yeah, that's to me that because it definitely felt like a death. Like mm. even though the, but I think I think also the fact that he uses that surreal interpretation of it as a device to lull you into not thinking he's going to go away, and I think that's why Kentucky the, the act four like playing through it was a weird because I think act four when I was playing through it was the act I enjoyed the least, oh, okay. just because it felt like oh we're just buying time until we've got to go to this delivery. And then, but in retrospect, it was like, yeah, you're buying time before you have to go make this delivery because Conway is, this is it. Like, this is everything you do with him. I know in retrospect and didn't, mm. at the time felt like wasting time, now felt so precious and like 
yeah like i felt so like upset at the end of it mm. because yeah i felt like i got tricked like oh i thought conway was going to be a bit like okay i didn't feel i got tricked i kind of was like well he's turning into one of them and they're gonna come and take him away i didn't point. feel like i got you tricked in that I, got I, tricked. <laughs> I felt like i got tricked in terms of i thought we would get him out of it i guess yeah. is what okay. i mean I you also hoping... have a choice uh as far yeah. as like how much time you want to waste because all of those pit stops on the you can just decide to to keep on keeping yeah. on you don't actually have to stop in at any of those places uh, i actually made the mistake on the first one uh, of not going in to Which i mean stop i don't remember the very first one um like because you had a choice they're not necessarily explicit but it's like oh uh stop in and oh, you know mingle or whatever and yeah. then the other the one is like uh go downstairs and play with yeah. uh ezra or something like that yeah. and i went down there i did that and then just continued on uh, and then the next one, I was like, oh, well, because yeah, to kill the one I was going in there. Because you play through a lot of these sequences as Conway, and Shannon is angry at you for accepting the deal. Mm. And I feel like that's exactly what, like, grief and, and, like, approaching loss is like in terms of, like, because you get angry because it's, like, but because he's resigned to it as well, I think there's a real anger of, like, you're going and I don't want you to go, and you're happy with going, and that makes me hate you, and there's all these, like, conflicted feelings. Yeah. yeah, and I think the game gets through that yeah. and, and ties it into the larger, like, psychogeometry of, like, like, Kentucky and, like, those communities and what they've been through in terms of they didn't really feel like they, have a, they had a choice in this thing and they just had to let it happen. And I feel, but what's beautiful then, I think, is that final act, though. Because I, it okay, I'm going to start by saying <laughs> I found episode five the weakest of the lot. Really? Yeah. So mm. I want to hear what you both. Have I mean, to say I don't see if you can convince me otherwise. I don't know if I, <laughs> I don't know if I'd have any of them as the weakest because I think they all are so quintessential to each other. I think what Act Five is is just it's so different. Yes, one location you control this cat yeah. and you're just running around and like well you control a light that the cat chases yes and i guess there's the, there's this um i guess there's the, the the final act is basically the exploring the possibility of these characters setting down in this secluded little community because basically the delivery that you were delivering the whole time is to an empty house and it basically is like well i'm so interested that you saw it as a house because i saw it as like a uh, uh a stage i guess like a mm. brechtian oh, yeah, theater yeah. um like a minimalist stage mm. or something that you know i guess robert Rousseau would use as but a, i i guess <laughs> i guess it's a theater piece yeah. yeah but i guess yeah. what it was for me is like this is this was like conway like like the whole point of this was like the delivery like isn't as isn't isn't a MacGuffin. i guess it was the reason for, to get them all there but then it was the whole reason like, it was the whole point of the game was like like this this delivery was for them like because what they unpack all this furniture and it's like oh, who would order all this and it's like yeah you this is for you is like this is this is for your chance to set up and be yeah. here and, and and in a way carry and like the, the idea of like carrying on his last delivery is more about taking his memory and building something out of it and like letting the you know because they're only bound together by conway and it's mm -hmm. like letting that that become something more solid and because you, you choose for a lot of the characters, there's the exploration of like, would they stay in this weird yeah. little place or would they go? I made mm. them all stay. They, <laughs> I think the only there was only one person I I thought, nah, they would leave was um, Claire. Oh, the musician. Uh, the other musician. I mean. The 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 broad, no the, the theremin player. No, I'm, I think I'm getting names. Oh, it's Emily, isn't it? That's the TV person. Oh yeah. They were the one that I was like leave because I was like because the TV studio's gone and I was like. Right. 
and they talk and then she talks with Junebug and Junebug's like sounds like you got to find a new gig honey there and is yeah a bit I remember the options sort of lean so she was the, she was the only one that was like maybe she just goes somewhere else you know but everyone else I was like yeah yours are gonna say which reminds me in the final act it reminds me of the one word that is weirdly in terms of like slang is like continuous between Kentucky and Scotland which is gnaw <laughs> they say gnaw sure, yeah like I was like it came it came up a few times and I was no. like and and I buy here and like a Scottish and suddenly this entire character <laughs> sticks from this like Kentucky drawl to like just fucking <laughs> there's this wee Glaswegian in the middle of Kentucky somewhere no man no like so that was quite funny but what did you find okay. the weakest about I had this like creepy eerie you know sense of like what on earth is going on you know that feeling go on for episode eight one to four and then in five it's a broad daylight and Oh, we can all have a happy ending. <laughs> it just seemed like, I know, we've we've got the box. We made the delivery to this empty house. And it, maybe it's supposed to inspire kind of like, hey, let's, you know, build upon the ashes of the flood water. Sure. Um, and it just seemed to me like, was it too dark for everyone? Was this then based on feedback? Or I seemed too sad for two. But at the end, you have this sequence with, when you arrive at the end and they have the dead horse that they drag out, that's killed the two horses that are killed in the flood, and then you have the funeral for them. And the funeral very much feels like the funeral that you would have or should have had for Conway. And it feels like that. that f- and then and then it gets larger because you have the funeral sequence is beautiful, and you have they have the song and all the ghosts turn up. And I guess that, I mean, larger scale, that's not just the funeral for Conway, it's the whole the community and everything attached to that and i guess a larger picture of what kentucky's been through and yeah like i but i feel like so there's i feel like there is there is like grief and atonement but also reconciliation that like they can they can settle here and there is a chance to build something and those people can have a connection out of like their their mutual loss of conway like that can like that's what brought them together and that in a way can like solidify and allow them to build something out of you know because the people that are already in that community are thinking of going it's only the characters you bring really that are thinking of maybe settling down and taking over and i guess in a way there's a sort of passing of the torch of yeah we've lived through this you're gonna have to go through something similar and what gets you through that is the people you're with and i think it could have very easily taken a darker turn like they could have had a much bleaker ending very mm. easily. I was ter- definitely expecting a much worse ending. But I think in terms of, I think what- it could also been a much more hopeful ending. A much really? more. Yeah, you know, yeah. It could have very easily been like the delivery, and it was like a celebration of us, you know, <laughs> like they have a big party or something. Yeah. Um, it had to end with the funeral. I feel like that was in it. I feel like, and looking at the whole thing, it's like, yeah, of course, you yeah. know. But I feel like, but I think the thing is though, like this, they made this game over like a decade. And I think in terms of what's going on in the world and stuff, I think, I I don't know, I think the length between acts suggests that they have been making this up as they went along to a degree. I don't feel like there was a, I don't know, but it doesn't feel like there was necessarily a definitive or a very like fine-tuned plan as to where the plot was going. But I think, so I feel like at a certain point they decided like almost like towards the end, it's like, we can't just this can't have a this can't end terribly for these characters that's not what we want to put out into the world and it's not what we want to see in the world and it almost like and it's almost the characters themselves are, are an expression of that of them going well actually let's you know that delivery of like them bringing it to that house and basically like building a life for themselves like that was that's basically where the whole game's been going now 
is for them to have a chance at like building something and they're basically taking on like on a way i guess like conway's like hopes and stuff what he needed and what he wanted but he didn't actually make it to the finish line or at least in my game he didn't mm. and like that is passed on to those characters for them to have a chance and i feel like the developers have almost made a conscious decision to put something that is much more hopeful with recognition of the struggle that has to go with yeah. that i mean so the hopefulness because I, we kind of have the same feeling but from different perspectives because my perspective is not that it's like it's going to be better it's that it's going to be the same but that same is still worth living and that can be a hopeful thing well, yeah I like feel, I life feel, is still i mean life i don't think is, things will be better i think i think i definitely agreed life is hell but god damn it life is still worth it <laughs> you yeah. know um and you could uh if everything was destroyed and everybody leaves and i guess yeah, you, as you said you do have that choice of everybody leaving and then that just being it just being a a f katrina or f chernobyl or something like that um but if there's any amount of hopefulness that i do see in it uh it's that accepting of the fact that um of, yeah i mean <laughs> i guess you could call it life affirming but that feels that feels really positive um and really happy but it's not to me it's not happy it's just accepting that it's accepting it it's just accepting that those things it's, it's are the peaceful. way and, yeah. and, and much in similar way to what like conway accepts the end and stuff like a lot of this stuff is like yeah accepting is the game feels about accepting what you can't change and then making the most of it and like yeah i don't feel I, and i don't feel like that maybe sounds like it's a it's a game about like resignation like these characters have just like oh well we can't change anything nothing will ever get better because i don't feel that's true to the spirit of some of the characters you meet either but i think there is a lot of it's just about purpose i guess in the same way that like people who are not religious can still find deep meaning in life without the need for uh for a higher power kind of thing um well, isn't isn't the power company? Don't they operate out of a converted church, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Underground as well. So there's there's definitely parallels as to where we center our lives and what we buy into and stuff now. I'm not sure if we convinced you, Maggie. No, I'm sorry, guys. I both <laughs> failed to convince so me. I waited seven. No. So obviously, I waited seven <laughs> years for the final act. So. So I my my expectation of it and stuff really weird because mm. because it's, it's definitely the shortest act, right? Like, yes, I thought it, it was. feel quite short. Yeah. It's, I think the first one was also quite yeah, short. Yeah, first maybe not as short as the first yeah. one, but because um, there's a lot of running around and waiting yeah. for people in the fifth act, where you're like kind of talking and yeah. passing time by talking to people. But I finished the game and just had a massive cry for oh. like I seven years of like playing it and everything that's happened in my life feels tangled up in what those characters mm. have gone through and stuff. And there's no definitive ending. It's not even definitive that they do settle down in that community and stuff. There's a lot of like you're still left to process on your own, and like I can't, I I really do struggle to articulate articulate exactly what I got out of that game and what exactly it meant to me. But it mm -hmm. it, it poked and prodded at very specific feelings and emotions about yeah growing up in the communities I didn't have, and the you know pseudo community that i've like this sort of weird community that i've built up in london of connecting with people from all over and we're sort of making something for ourselves and that resonates with me a lot and the game is both affirmative and challenging of that and yeah like at the end of the game like seven years of like and just you know just like thinking about what i've been through in that time like a game just yeah that final act really like wasn't just about you know looking back on 
four acts of the game. It was like looking back in seven years of my life. And yeah, like it cathartic, like, and yeah, just, I, yeah, I cannot overstate like the, how even, and that's what astonished me with it. I came into act five after so long and I was like, well, this still have the same meaning after so long to me. And yeah, like it hit me like a ton of bricks. Like, I think this is one of the best pieces of fiction I've, I've played basically. And I, yeah, I can't overstate how profound I feel about it. that I don't think it's a bad ending <laughs> <laughs> or supremely happy like that. Now that I've poured my heart but out. <laughs> I do feel of the five that that was the weakest um, okay. um, in terms of impact on me and, and also feeling kind of like, oh, I mean, there was a small part of me hoping that Shannon would raise an army and take on the consolidated power company and then fail because they're so <laughs> Turn into a first-person shooter. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> that one ending. I do have uh, one last question. Um, do you think that I mean, so ignoring, I guess, the fact that I'm sure it was not a chosen release schedule a la Telltale Games or Don't Nod with Life is Strange kind of thing. But do you think that the releasing the game in episodes would, did itself, whether telling the story or commercially a disservice? Um, I like that it came out so slowly over the years because that made me go like, wow, I wonder what if Telltale had done this. Maybe we'd all be playing The Wolf Among Us <laughs> two mm. or three, you know, if, if they'd staggered it out. Um, but we do live in like the Netflix era of like everything at one go. I want it all now. I mean, I did play it all at one go, um, having not yeah. played it seven years ago. I mean, I don't know what kind of if it's done at a service commercially. Mm-hmm. I think the one oh, half a million players is still pretty big. I think the one interesting thing about that is that what's happened as a result is there has been an entire decade of writing about this game before it's finished. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. fascinating to me and. Mm-hmm. But I think what I can say, and I've obviously already said, is like personally, I am so glad I released the yeah. way I did. For because you, I, yeah. I don't know if it would. <laughs> for you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Sam. But I think for me, like I, I think if I played it all in one sitting, I think I would have got a lot out of it. But I, like I say, this is wrapped up in so many things and so much growth sure. and so much personal reflection that I am so glad that I got to experience it the way I did. It was really interesting reading the dev's perspective on this. Um because oh, I read an interview with them basically about the whole timeline of production. Um, I'll, I'll make sure I find it. But uh, it was because basically they were learning as they went. Like everything that they did, did before, they had very much considered as not really games, but just sort of digital art media, uh, yeah. interactive art media. And, uh, you know, they wouldn't, they were released usually in small local art communities and stuff like this and this was their first like go at a game yeah. uh in the traditional sense i guess they all started the game started developing in, in their early 20s kind of just full of ideas the uh guy who did the music um and ben sound design for it babbitt or something ben like babbitt. yeah uh he had never done like he was working on music but never in this kind of sense of he'd never done a soundtrack or never done mm-hmm. sound design for anything and they were learning it as they go that's astounding <laughs> to me um and uh and they talk about it in a very like transformative experience where they didn't consider themselves uh 
you know, fully fledged artists in this field until they had finished it. When they began, they were just kind of experimenting students and their teacher was the thing that they were creating. Um, and it's just a really, yeah, Small interesting. Thing. So you've only played the finished version. So the main menu is very different now. Um, mm. Originally, it was just a little like thing that you went and clicked mm. that there was options. Now it's like a dial. Do they still yeah. have those tiles, uh, title screens? They do, but they changed the font, I think. Okay. I really like the title screens. I also really like that no matter, even if you're like going back and forth of a place, like it's a new scene um, for everyone. Like if you're backtracking and stuff, it's still new scene. Um, yeah. Mm. It was very kind of French New Wave in a way, I guess. But um, All right. Do we feel, uh, I feel feel ready to give some final thoughts ready, here? I feel ready for seven years. Okay. <laughs> so um, each of us is going to give an individual verdict on a five-point scale from hate to love. Um, any final thoughts, I guess, as well? And then we'll we'll throw it in the combobulator. Who wants to... Do you want to go first, Maggie? Yeah, okay. I'm going to go with like... <laughs> like. <laughs> yeah, because um, I guess maybe it seemed like a happy ending also because what that community at the end reminded me of um, were a couple of games. One was Life is Strange 2, which we reviewed uh, a few weeks ago. Hmm. Um, there's a community there called Away, where people get away and live very different lives from if they'd stayed in the city. Um, and they're referred to as the people of Away, like the people in you know conventional towns look at them and like they're bizarre weirdos living on the desert in the middle of nowhere to grow their own crops and things like that. But the other community that this reminded me of was um, a game called Mutazione, which came out last year. I still haven't played it yet. Oh, please play it. Please, please play it. Um, where a bunch of people live there, uh, a comet strikes, and they become mutants. Um, and they're quite isolated, but they, they they have their own tragic stories as well, and, and all the relationships and things that happen. This kind of reminded me of that, where you, when you play Kai, you go about and you discover their stories and what certain places mean for them, and certain things they say and what you know all those things that sound really simple but have much deeper meaning um and that's why i felt you know with those two games i kind of i really liked those places and i felt like they were creating a new place like this even though there's a couple of dead horses that make me think of episode one where because of weebus television they see a couple of horses and then they find a way to kentucky road zero like this was like the way to wrap up i guess the two dead horses but also because they're living with ghosts <laughs> and they know that as well. I mean, one of the guys, I think it's Rick, maybe the man who is in the television series and he falls asleep. Um, uh, what's his name? And he, he creates, I mean, he, he digs the grave. He pulls the horse out the wall. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. yeah no, you're talking I about think it. it's Rick. Um, but, uh, it is Rick. Yeah. It is Rick, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and, you know, they, he talks about, oh, we, we live with them and, you know, we, we talk to them. We leave the radio on for them sometimes. They like the sound of it. Um, and seeing the spirits as people, um, I thought that was kind of animistic. But also interesting because you see the story of um, the out-of-towner, do you remember? Mm -hmm. And he seems to have been beaten up or killed by six people from the company, I think. Um, and the, the lady who carries a torch for him is still there and she's the one who reads the poem out at the funeral mm -hmm. for the horses and you know the whole she's also an out-of-towner isn't she i think so but she I'm not mentioned sure. that she just found the town by following the power line oh that's a good point yep 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 so she herself is an out-of-towner yeah um but essentially i think they all are now um in this new community but um i, I think i would go back and play it again just to see what all the other places were like i feel like when I went to the bureau, I was afraid of falling off the road. <laughs> so I wouldn't stop at the feather or the anchor. I was afraid I'd lose something. Wow. Um, and, and that's, yeah, that, just to hold the writing, the dialogue. 
I want to see if I can get Conway in Act Five now. I don't know how this. <laughs> I've, happens. I've seen a screenshot where he's yeah. there, so okay. I feel like if you do, because you can replay an act. If you replay, like Act Three, for example, would those keep... branches? Would that just mean that it, no that's idea. an isolated replay of that act, or will it change? Or we'll take you, on the changes yeah. you made previously mm-hmm. up to. I have no idea. Have to look into that. Yeah. So yeah, that's a like for me. Sam. I I mean I think it's pretty clear that I Sam's a love. Let's move on. <laughs> it's um yeah like I yeah I kind of overstate like just the effect that this game has had to me, what it means to me, and and I think a lot of it's personal. Like it's tied up in a lot of like stuff that's went on in my life. But I think the fact that the game resonates on that level and communicates like is just fantastic. And there's not enough games like it. And I think you're starting to see the influence of it in games that want to emulate the idea of one games that engage directly with their own narrative, but games that also they will have narratives about the real world and a lot of stuff that is really important right now about disenfranchisement and you know, you know, death of community and like all this kind of stuff. And particularly for millennials, I think, I think, I think for yeah, I think for like people are you know my age like in their late 20s i think this game really will hit on a lot of notes even though conway who you play as is a much older character yeah i think it's kind of intergenerational at least for like probably up to generation x in a way yeah uh, i think a lot of but like, i think characters if you are of my that. age i think there's there's some really particular touchstones that it gets and just yeah like i over seven years been playing this and having spent like what two years between act four and this one and i still came into the final act and just got hit like a ton of bricks by it emotionally i think I think that speaks volumes that it could take the time it did between each of those acts and I would still come in and I'd still remember everything that went on before. I'd still remember all these vivid scenes and I would still be drawn in completely and still be affected emotionally. Like, what game could... How many games can sustain you in that way over seven years? I think that's that's a testament to just what a singular piece of work it is. And I, the, the fact that, that like they feel like they had no idea what they were doing, they were making up as they go on, I was like, that's incredible because the this feels like one of the most confident and considered games I've ever played. So so yes, love for me, absolutely. Um, something that we didn't really talk about much uh, was like all the transmedia stuff, um, mm. like the things, the alternate gaming reality type stuff. Yeah. Um, well, there was the phone, the phone, the, the phone, real yeah. phone lines that you can call. There was actually yeah. like I think three different lines because you could call into the to the TV show yep. as well. Um, you call into the the Mammoth Cave um, uh, helpline, uh, like tour line or whatever. Um, lots of really cool stuff. I mean, even just the video series that they released, you could watch a few of the tapes that they had for the public access TV show, um, and. A lot of the stuff, I mean, I kind of hinted at it, but I actually think I might have enjoyed all the interludes even more than the acts. I, yeah, I wondered about um, this, especially just, when I found out that one of them, oh, I don't know, maybe the whole room in the gallery when you first see Emily, Bob, and Ben, and I was like, hang on, that artist Namjoon Pike, that's a real artist. <laughs> and I looked up the artwork and I was like, hang on, that is also a real artwork. Yeah. I learned the game. Are, do you, the, the white nose um, syndrome that the bats have when oh, you go yes. to the bat sanctuary. That's a real thing. That's real? <laughs> I thought that was just some Kentucky Route Zero weirdness. No, no, that's a real thing. Wow. Um, I re- yeah, I mean, even the mundane stuff like sitting through the play, mm. uh, I just really... I, and I don't, I don't think it was because it was a novel experience. I feel like because they were so important to... They were, they were novel experiences and they were very different, um, you know, anti-game game... Uh, type experiences 
but because they weren't just like ex- they didn't ever feel like just experiments or tacked on they felt very important to oh, yeah. how the the game felt as a whole and very important in um in my engagement with it and i mean i talked a lot about I talked a lot in our Death Stranding reflections about the importance of games that try and do something differently to push uh, push the medium forward. And in that game, I didn't particularly necessarily like how they were doing it. But with uh, but I was happy that they you know someone was trying to do something. But with Kentucky Route Zero, I feel like Cardboard Computer was trying to do something and succeeding and succeeding so naturally. So. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I don't want to say effortlessly because it was obviously a tiresome <laughs> decade for them. But, but the end but result was, feels effortless. Yeah. Like, this is just... Um, yeah. in, in a way that... And I guess that's maybe the definition of... Uh, like Or the definition of pretentiousness is that you're trying really hard but not really uh, <laughs> but not really achieving what you're thinking that you're achieving. Uh, but this, they feel like they're just... It's this natural storytelling um, that is... Um, really beautiful i mean i don't think it's a perfect game um i don't i'm not as bowled over by it as as sam and i can even imagine that actually something that would have blown me away entirely where i would have just like lost my mind uh, in like my, my love for it is if it had maybe a as well considered uh gameplay element for it like mm-hmm. uh where I can imagine in my head, which I have no idea how to describe it, but some kind of gameplay loop that tied into maybe more of like, uh, you know, driving around. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not trying to pitch a game here because it's sort of irrelevant anyway in that uh, I'm asking them to try and figure out how to make an already great game into like one of the greatest games of all time kind of thing. And it just seems needlessly... I mean, for me, this is one of the sure, greatest yeah, yeah. games of I all mean, time. Uh, I mean, I love this game. Um, it's a, a love, but it's it's... And part of why I love it is because, um, well, all the things that we've talked about, but also just that it had planted the seed into me of like, uh, of how, how this is a stepping stone, how it can be a stepping stone into games that are even greater and more mm-hmm. like transcendental, I guess. Because if I imagine like this as a perfect game with the, you know, whatever dopamine hits and stuff like that, that blows my mind, uh, as opposed to just like the, the narrative experience that I had, which was what this is, and I loved it for what it is. Um, and it's, I, I've never had, I guess, I've never really played a game where I'm like, wow, but think of what this means next. <laughs> you yeah. know, like next in whatever developing technology or developing ideals um, in the uh, in the medium. But um, so I guess that's a, yeah, love from me, which I believe puts the official Glass House verdict at a strong like. Um, if you have any thoughts on Kentucky Route Zero, make sure you post them to our website, glasshouse.games. You can also email us at community at glasshouse.games or tweet us at GHG Show. I want to thank uh, Maggie and Sam very much. And you all for watching uh, or listening. Thanks as always to Kit behind the desk. Cheers. Making, <laughs> making the show happen every single week. And Dan C. Parks for the music. We'll have another Reflections next week. See you then.